Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Byrne. It's time for the Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast. And I'm just checking in on you. Um, we're recording this thing. I don't know when we're going to put this out. I might just do a special episode because I'm, now I'm already thinking that people are going to be like, well, how come you didn't talk any Stanley Cup final? Fucking action here. I have with me one of my, uh, one of my favorite people, one of my uh, great friends in this business since the late fucking 90s. Yeah. He has a new documentary uh, coming out on the All Things Comedy Network about the amazing Jonathan called Always Amazing. The wonderful, talented Mr. Steve Byrne. Thank you. Thank you, William. You like that? Can you follow that intro? Did I go too big? I, I think you, you hit the sweet spot. And I got to tell you, I was thinking about this on the way over. You are part of the two greatest um, events I ever had because I grew up playing hockey. And oh, all right. You and I played... You can actually play. I'm fun to skate around. I make no, you look you, good out there, Steve. You can play. We, we played at the United Center together in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and we had the whole rink to ourselves. And then you and I got to play in the, the Mario Lemieux Fantasy Camp. Well, back up. Vince Vaughn set that up, the big Chicago guy. Yeah. And I'm in business with Vince doing efforts for family. Sure. Because of you. Because you, you introduced me to Vince. Well, I remember he... Um, Oh God! I I remember one I, I it was like when I I I kind of moved. I, I think you had just moved here or something. Yeah, and it was down the Improv, and he had come out to see your set. And you actually, most LA people would try to hoard that connection. <laughs> be like this this A list movie star is mine, right? And you were like, hey man, I'm doing a spot tonight. If you want to come down on the show, you asked because I wasn't even on that show. Yeah. You said I'm bringing Vince down. You should meet him and say hello. Yeah. And uh, through that, I took a meeting with them, and that's when I was totally disgruntled. It was weird. I'd moved to L.A., and I was completely over Hollywood because I could never get anything. And you had just moved here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that didn't take too long. That's me. That's me. <laughs> that's me. No, no, no. I was already over it. I was just yeah. like, I'm coming out here, and I'm just going to do parts on other people's things. Right. Because my things do not get picked up, and then you get into a deal, and then they just take you they t- it takes you out of play. Well, he's yeah. in a deal. We can't. He, you know, we would be second position to his project, and no one wants to be that. So then, your pilot wouldn't get picked up. You weren't in anything, and you just you were another year older. So I was just like, "Fuck this." Yeah. So that's when I took the meeting with Vince's company with Peter Billingsley, and he goes, yeah. "What do you got?" And I go, "Nothing." What do you got? <laughs> And he was like, all right. I go, dude, none of my shit gets picked up. Everything's considered misogynistic, homophobic, fucking something else phobic. As you're saying it, they're probably going ding, 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 ding. Yeah, don't, don't, don't. All them, yeah. You're in the club. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like every fucking thing that I do is like was labeled. So unless I had a, it's gotten to the point. This is pre me too. Sure. Yeah. It was like, what if I had a guy come out with his junk tucked between his thighs? (laughs) Okay, we like that. It was so fucking ridiculous. And this whole fucking thing that they say women don't have power in Hollywood. I've, I, I never met a, I met one or two male casting directors. I never got to that level of, you know, the Harvey Weinstein guy wanting to watch you take a shower. Whatever fucking level that is. I, or what, you watch him take a shower. I, I never got to that level. I, I never did. Dude, casting director, I'll tell you this. This When I first moved here, I never forgot this. Because I think you and I somewhat have uh, an Irish temper. 
But I got. Oh yeah, Korean. dude, I'm going to therapy for my temper right after this. I got a Korean and Irish. Too. So the you know the Koreans are the Irish of Asia. I don't know if you've is that real? That, yeah, because you know it's like it's uh, we love whiskey, we love fighting, we love we love booze, and we love storytelling. We're the funnest ones to hang out with in Asia. We love potatoes and cabbage. We hate the sun. It's like all these. Now, do Chinese anomalies. and Japanese people agree with this? Do they do they do they have to give it up to the Koreans? Yeah. Yeah, I they mean, do. K-pop entertainers are always the big ones. They're, you know, it's all the Asian stars. Or Would you say you have the most flavor as a young kid saying it's I can't even say that. You, you could never, <laughs> like, even like Timberland. I, I cringe when I have to say that. It's like, can I just say Timberland? But, I, but anyways, I, when I first moved here, I was driving to this audition, and this, this fucking bitch in this Mercedes would not, like, like let me through or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then finally we get to this light... And she's jockeying for position. I'm jockeying for position. We get off the 405. We go to this light. And I just roll my eye and went, I'm like, fuck you, you fucking bitch. And she goes, fuck you, you piece of shit. So like 10 minutes later, I, I sign in the audition. I sign in everything. I open up the door. She's the casting director. Oh, no. <laughs> I open up the door. I just go, have a good day. And I just shut the door, got my car, and I was like... Did she recognize it. you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she knew. She knew and I knew as soon as I opened it. I just, I, I just looked at it. I was like, fuck it. Yeah, but you know something? I love that you owned it and didn't fucking do the audition because my dumb ass would have done it. I would have oh, been God. like, hi. Then <laughs> <laughs> I would have I gone through with the wacky next door neighbor. Hey, dude, talk more about uh, some of the like Asia stuff because it's never covered over here and I did some gigs over there and was like fascinated where I literally felt I went to an alternate universe where you go over there there's first of all there's way more people yeah. it's this entirely different part of the world that is doing just fine without fucking western culture or any of that and when we never talk I go over there they own airlines own doctors the whole fucking thing <laughs> like you you grow up like reading our history and you feel like unless unless you know unless Europeans or yeah, yeah or, or you know, white Americans are, has, somehow have their hand on it it either doesn't count or it won't work or whatever and I went over there and I I fucking loved it I felt like I went to another planet yeah it just the cars are a little smaller and the vending machines are a little shorter but that's kind of <laughs> like yeah but you go over there you know what this is like the perfect example right. So Hollywood's been around forever, and then they have Crazy Rich Asians, right? And uh-huh. it's celebra- like it's a good movie, right? right? I don't think it's great. Like the same way I think Black Panthers, it's a good movie. I don't think it's amazing. It's not I, like I, the I, greatest. I was, I was doing a bit on that. How but, scared white Hollywood was that they yeah. nominated that for Best Picture? You got it's it. It's like all right, it was good. It, it was, was good. I don't think that's up there with The Godfather and Raging no, Bull. It's yeah, not, no, no. So this this thing <laughs> comes out, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, isn't this great? Didn't we do a good job?" And then you know where that movie bombed? fucking china because they're like yeah guys we do this shit all the time no and they have incredible movies over there yeah because bobby lee bobby lee told me like i had to stop asking bobby lee because bobby lee just watches he's the one who told me about old boy oh old boy yeah yeah and then the audition audition's crazy it's it's disgusting and yeah the killer and all that stuff it's it's almost not scary as much as it's just disturbing and very disturbing yeah like you can't kind of shake it so don't if you're already fucked up, they're 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 gonna people listening are gonna watch them. But yeah, um, but this is how my little understanding of Asia. It seems like Japan is the white people of Asia, where they feel like they are the top of the food chain, and they are the everything that they do is the greatest, and yeah. they try to take everybody over. But that also seems because of them geographically, they're on an island, and they're kind of like they've kind of like they they can't grow out anymore. Yeah. 
What's fucked up about them is, do you know they had a war with Russia last century and won? And when they claim their land, all the white countries like, no, 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 no. Give it back. <laughs> That's sort of the prequel to them Pearl Harbor and to, all of that. To, yeah. Like, because anytime a white country would do that to another white country, another white country, you got the spoils of victory and they won. Yeah. It was like they played for fucking USC with Pete Carroll. I'm like, no, no, no. Give me that Heisman Trophy back. Give me, what are you talking about, dude? I, I fucking... Yeah, I ran for those yards. Nah, 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 nah. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I think like Koreans are, because I, you know, China, like, like we, we think like, you know, we spent time in New York City, obviously, and you think Manhattan, New York City, you know, if you can make it there, you can make it. You go to any of these cities, like you go to Beijing, you go to, you know, anything in China. It's like it absolutely dwarfs Manhattan. Manhattan is absolutely. It, it's almost like Manhattan becomes like a block comparatively. To these other cities over Hong there. Hong Kong was like that. You know, I was driving to the airport and I was seeing clusters of Manhattan, it seemed like, that were apartment yeah. complexes. Now, dude, let's, let's be honest here. It's an environmental disaster over there as far as how many fucking people there are. Of course, yeah, yeah. Great okay. people, not saying anything bad about them, but you need to get rid of, like, I don't know how many. It's got, the numbers got to come way the fuck down. This is like when they had the Olympics over there in like China, like nobody could move for three days, so all the dust yeah, would shut settle. The city down, and then they they sh- they sent out those rockets to to like disperse the clouds so that you could have sun to to get rid of all the smog. I oh was over God. there; it was crazy. Yeah, and this is that's what well, that's what the fuck. But they're constantly we're, we're chain smoking for. and leaving the car running, and and just like that seventies yeah. truck, you know, the guys smoking and stuff. That's yeah, what there's like got to be a better way. I think yeah. eventually, I think they're up against it, and they're going to figure it out. That's what I'm hoping. They're going to be forced to at some point. Yeah, I, I think mean, at that point where if nobody can, if you have to shut down a whole city just to get a clear day, yeah, <laughs> you would think. Now, this is the thing that I heard about the reason how China's population got the way it was was because Japan kept attacking them, and then whoever their leader was. Mm-hmm. His whole thing was we're going to have so many people that no matter how many you attack, there's always going to be another 100,000 coming over the hill like this never-ending Braveheart. Now, is there any- just like fucking their way to supremacy. Like, like pre- you can't yeah. fuck with us. Now, let me – is there any truth to that? And, I'm, and this is so ridiculous that you're American, but because you have – you're half Asian <laughs> – that yeah, I, I feel like you know all of this stuff. I didn't go to Kent State University, <laughs> State University School in Ohio and study like the history of Asia. I, I barely know what I know about my folks. You know, Is that where you went to school? Met. I went to Kent State, yeah. Oh, yeah? Did they have like a little memorial shrine? That's where those kids got, uh, got shot, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was there for, I forget, I think it was like the 25th anniversary or something. I don't know which Did one. Did you ever have the balls to protest anything on that campus? Did you just think it... <laughs> oh, no, or did you really. feel like it's more like if you fly in the same airline that had a plane crash the day before you like what are the odds like what are the odds well, the national it, guard's going to come in and blow away some more students here yeah but i got bad luck it would be like oh, you know. the odds are astoundingly incredibly against me why is that i think it's the, i remember I when it's you Murphy's law no but you were one of those fucking guys you do a late night set at the comic strip and everyone yep. would have a tough time but you somehow would have the crowd where the guy picks up the chair. Remember, he, he threw it and hit you in the head. You got cut. Because I remember they put staples in your headshot at the comic at strip, the comic make, strip make it yeah. seem like you had stitches. Yeah, then, then uh, somebody wrote underneath my headshot, it said the chairman. <laughs> the chairman, Steve Byrne. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I remember that night. I was, at the, uh, I was at the comic strip. And this is like another thing I do that's probably stupid, but I take the onus always on myself, right? And I always say, what could I have done better in that situation? And what happened was, it was my birthday, dude. 
It was my birthday. Oh, no. And I'd worked on this bit. I was so excited to, you know, it was like that that time of your life where you're just like, I just got to try this bit out. Right. And I went to the comic strip, 11 o'clock, late night. And there's all these like Jersey mooks and they, they stand up and they're, they're debating their check while I'm doing my set in front of 10 people. Yep. And uh, I go, guys, come on. Can we just keep it down? I just want to go through this. And, and the guy goes, what are you going to do, some kung fu on me? I'm like, okay, okay. Here we oh, go. Oh, he went racial. Yeah, he went racial. And then early. I was like, I was like yeah, out early. Of the gate. It's always racial. <laughs> and, and then I go, well, thank God the, uh, the Lincoln Tunnel's open 24 hours. And then his girlfriend starts piping in. And That's they're funny, yelling by the Jackie way. Chan shit at me. And Jackie Chan, they call me Jackie Chan. This is when I had my Lego head hair when it was just growing yeah. out and you guys were shitting on me at the cellar for, for this bouffant of like Asian hair So you, you were kind of asking for it. I was asking for it. it was like I mean, an, I might as well go on stage dressed like a leprechaun. I mean, what, <laughs> what do you think they're going to say? So, so this girl starts piping up and she goes, she said something about me being a, I just, I just go, well, somebody, somebody tell that cunt to shut up. I knew the And then this, this bar stool gets chucked, whizzed, bang, hit the back of my head. It just felt like hot tea running down my neck. Uh-huh. And eight staples in the back of my head later. And I, the cops came to visit me at the at the hospital. They're like, you should press charges. And I was like, I did it. I should have I handled it better. It's my Isn't own it amazing, fault, though, you know? like how different that time... What year was that? That was probably 99, 2000. How different the world is now where there would be all of this video. Oh, yeah. You would be considered this victim of racial hate, a hate crime. Yeah. You, your Twitter followers would have gone up by half a million. You, you would be like, you'd be an arena act. But now I'm an outcast. I get but then, for this, for this no, but, but back then, back then it was just yeah. like, if you were Asian, you had to take the fact that, hey, Jackie Chan, why don't you go fucking yeah. go run with a rickshaw? You had to deal with all that. And then, and then, and they throw a stool at you. Well, you want to know, uh, this, this happened at the comedy store. It's always racial with, at, at the comedy store. Remember the dark days at the store when nobody was going? I don't know if you had been. Oh packed. yeah, no. It, that and and I gotta tell you something. Out of all, like, because everybody says New York. If I can make it there, I can make it anywhere. Yeah. L.A. is infinitely harder. Because oh, the, yeah. the thing about New York was, I felt I could escape the business, where it was just like my neighbor was, you know, uh, whatever it was this financial bullshit or or worked at a gym or like yeah. my roommate, like he 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 was into hockey and fucking uh, worked at the rinks in in Central Park. He was in a completely different fucking world he's an irish immigrant and he's fucking doing construction yeah over here it's just everybody is this fucking thing that's it yeah in this thing and then there was also like the hierarchy where it was like as bad as new york was i wasn't competing with television and movie stars who were popping in and and, and every night and they would go in and have nothing to say and burn the light for 90 fucking minutes as you sat there bombing because because they had the TV credit. I, well, I was at the store, and I, again, the, the, <laughs> there was maybe 10 people there. And this group of Asian kids gets up and walks out as I'm walking onto the stage and being introduced. And there's this dude in the back with four of his buddies. He's eating chicken wings. He brought his own wings in, right? Uh-huh. And, he's, and he, before I even hit the mic, he goes, hey, your friends left. That's I funny. Go, what? That's funny. He goes, your friends <laughs> left. And as he says it, he's eating chicken wings. He doing right. that with his fingers, eating right. the, licking the sauce off. And it fucking infuriated me. I go, so you're saying my friends left because I'm Asian and they're Asian? He goes, yeah, 
That's what I said. I go, well, maybe I should go outside and catch up with him. Maybe you should meet me. He goes, maybe I will. So he gets up and I get up and I, you know that you didn't how the finish your set. Comes, I didn't even start it. I didn't even tell one joke. I get to the corner. This is when I was. I, was, I would get hopped up zero to sixty. And I just fucking like drill this guy in the face, drop him to the ground, and I just start fucking wailing on him like Ralphie in a Christmas story. I'm right. fucking beating the shit out of this. And this guy, I didn't know this, this guy picks up one of those tables in the back. You know how heavy those things are. He goes to like swing and hit me with this table. Thank God, Br- Brett Ernst saved my life. Right. I'd probably be eating out of a straw in a fucking wheelchair right now. But he, t- he tackled the guy. And took that guy out, and then I think one or two other comics came in and subdued their other friends, and then they pulled me off the guy, and the guy called the cops the next day and was gonna, threatening to sue and everything. For what? Exactly. Losing and, and a then, fight? And then Tommy said, didn't you make fun of him for being Asian? He's like, yeah, and then he backed down. So that, that kind of happened, too. So it's <laughs> always like weird ones. Jesus, man. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your movie, Steve. Now I see why you went behind the camera here on this one. Give yourself a break from these uh, MMA matches you had. I've had some. Believe me, I've been on the other end of things too. But yeah, yeah. Well, I remember. Yeah, you were you were having a cab drive. You were getting a steak and cheese, and next thing you know, you had a broken jaw. Had a broken jaw. Yeah. And then they had to shut down Sullivan and Son for like six months. Six weeks. Yeah. Six weeks. Anytime anybody breaks their jaw, I go six weeks. An athlete, Sidney Crosby, broke his jaw. Actually, Sidney Crosby broke his jaw the day I broke my jaw. Yeah, that's how big a Penguins fan you are. Yeah. You have that kind of synchronicity. It's it, like when women's periods line up. <laughs> it's the same thing. You and Sidney Crosby. Like Bluetooth were syncing up, yeah. No, the film is always amazing. It's this documentary I did about the amazing Jonathan, great comic magician that was one of the first comics to pop off at Comedy Central when they did those half hours and they were starting to really get some notoriety and... Jonathan. Oh, I saw that guy from way, way back in the day. Like he, like that. I, I'm such a huge fan of that guy. And uh, if you never saw the amazing Jonathan, he, I felt like he was the first guy who really uh, did that whole thing where he, you just kind of see the. Tr- it wasn't about the trick necessarily. It was yeah. about the trick going bad. And but he added a whole new like sort of spin to that, where he had like the whole rock and roll look. And, yeah, uh, Freddy Krueger comedy. And, yeah, and he, yeah, he yeah. looked really like... He did look like you didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. I loved him. Yeah, he's definitely like more of a rock star, but definitely more of a comedian than a magician. And you're right, like everything he did, you could almost kind of see it, and then sometimes the tricks would go bad, but he just didn't give it... Like, yeah. He was just kind of like this makeshift kind of comic on the fly involved in magic, and I, he was one of the... When I, when I first went on the road... I did back-to-back weekends at Charlie Goodnight's back in the day. And my first weekend was Brian Regan, and the second weekend was The Amazing Jonathan. And I struck up a friendship with him and his road manager, Joel Osborne, who's a huge Oasis fan, and we just bonded over that. So every time I came out here, my first TV credit was BT's Comic View, yeah. and I crashed at Jonathan's I house. I did a few of those. <laughs> I did, I think, I, two or three. But So I, when I think of my first TV set, I think of Comic View, and then celebrating with those guys. Right. And, uh you know, Jonathan went on, Vegas headliner, and he was given a terminal diagnosis due to cardiomyopathy where it's a degradation of your heart breaking down, and his heart's operating, I think, at like 60 to 50% capacity right now. So wow, that combined with a lifelong drug addiction and the fact that he's still a drug addict and diabetes compounded upon that. Jesus you know, he was Christ. told, you got, you got to get your affairs in order. That's enough to kill Jim Morrison a couple of times. Yeah. That's amazing he's still going. <laughs> yeah, so he basically... 
retired from comedy and performing and hung it all up and outlived expectations, I think due to the fact that he's buying stem cells off the black market in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And he basically said, you know, like a year ago, two years ago, that he wanted to see if he still had it. He was getting tired of waiting around to die. Can I still, can I still perform? Do I still have this? And he made a return to stage and did three shows. And I thought that's such a great, impetus to 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 follow and what a great trajectory because you get to right. tell the story of his of his um of his career but the heart i can't wait to fucking see this thing well the heart and soul of it really is about joel osborne see when jonathan jonathan's the face of the doc the heart of the documentary is when he was touring worldwide he was like kind of like a russell peters back in the day he was going everywhere mm-hmm. and he met this this kid. He's 12 years old. He'd always be backstage and asking for autographs and sneaking in the shows. And he just saw this, like, desire or, you know, fascination with magic and comedy in this kid, Joel Osborne. And so he, he basically took him under his wing. And every year he came back to Australia, Joel would get a little older and he'd give him a little more responsibility. And eventually he was... He was like uh, like his road manager in Australia and, and publicizing all the events and putting posters up everywhere. Wow. And getting a cut of this and selling the magic kit in Australia. And eventually when Joel turned 18, he said, do you want to be my road manager in the States? And Joel said, yeah. And eventually Joel, Joel is a guy that's doing meditation. He doesn't drink. He doesn't do drugs. And this kid it comes out to Vegas and is negotiating million-dollar deals with these casinos, and Jonathan's this drug addict and throwing this 18-year-old kid in the middle of this crazy fucking scenarios. And Joel's like, you know, he tells him. This is beyond a doc. This is a good movie. He goes, you go to the Golden Nugget, and you tell those motherfuckers, Jonathan wants 2.5. You tell me to shove it up your fucking ass and walk out that fucking door and slam the door. And Joel's like, I I guess so. And so Joel goes in, and and Joel's very diplomatic, and he got everything Jonathan wanted in a very serene kind of way. And so two people on paper should never be in each other's lives, develop this great fraternal relationship. And Joel basically became his like caretaker. He saw him through a suicide attempt. He saw him through drug addiction. And he basically got Jonathan in a great place in his life and eventually said, okay, I'm going to go off and become a comedian on my own. And Joel went to Australia and became a comic. And this is about these two reuniting for one last tour and being on stage together. And, and this is on All Things Comedy? This sounds like it's going to win an award. Well, I, you know, we, we've gone through the gauntlet with this thing and... All things comedy and soapbox have been nothing but kind to us and helps in terms of to to make a film like this. It takes a lot of money, and I did it all out of my own pocket. Quite a bit money, quite a lot of money in the right. hole on this thing. But soapbox said, you know, I talked to the guys at All Things Comedy. They said, hey, maybe we can help you get the finishing funds for this and and finish the film. Mm-hmm. And so they sweetened it for us with color and sound, got it together. And when we were looking for a distribution partner, we thought. Let's go to All Things Comedy, oh, and it great. worked out perfectly. So beautiful. It, it's just I think it's a perfect platform for it, given the content. We're a nice company, Steve. You're a great company. My wife's over yeah. there. She had an idea. She's shooting something right now. Shooting a pilot. Is she really? Yeah. Oh, nice. I went over there. So it was good. It was actually it, uh... good. She was doing that because we had a little dust up last night, as we do. <laughs> but you know what's that funny, helps, dude? Right? Nah. She came walking in, and she was wearing this purple sweater, and she looked beautiful. And I was just saying, yeah, that's that's how I ended up with her. I could yeah. just never break. Even in my fantasy of breaking up with her, I would when she walked away, I would get sad, and I would still get. Uh, I'll get back in here. Come back, oh, yeah. on, baby. No, nah, no, we're not doing the, this. Yeah, she's. You know, whatever. I was right though last night. I was right. <laughs> but anyway, you know that Monday, goes. Monday. When you're June right, 3rd, dude, here come the tears. Here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> and Monday, then, June third. Then you become wrong. Yeah. Um, 
probably not a good thing to say, you know, in yeah. those moments. Like, can you get your emotions in check? You know, those. Yeah, it's probably not good to go fucking Bud Grant head coach on them at that point. But I, I'm learning things. Yeah, I'm learning things. Um, so anyway, sorry, we got off track there. Um, how long have you been working on this thing? Because these things like it takes a long they time. Take yeah, forever. Well, the the thing for me is I was doing two at the same time. I I I basically did this. Just to do it, just to, I'd never done a doc. I love docs, but I knew enough about story and narrative that I was like, I think I could tell the story, and I know these guys so well, and I know exactly the story I want to tell. So when I did the interviews, it was six to eight hours with Jonathan and six to eight hours with Joel, but I knew exactly what to ask them. You know, Getting the content was different. Getting all the archival footage and converting the archival footage, that's a whole other process, and so it you gets would, expensive. And you were doing this while you were writing that movie. I did a part in it for you last year. yes. And that was, thing's coming out. Like, dude, who's working harder than you? Well, <laughs> no wonder I, I haven't to, seen you in the clubs in a minute. You've been buried in a writer's room in, in the editing, huh? Yeah, I, I basically wrote the feature on the road while I was kind of – I'd come back Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, edit the documentary, go on the road Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and write this feature film just to, as an exercise to see if I could do it. Well, and then do shows at night. And do shows at night because I basically thought – I had Sullivan and Son on the air – I was the second Asian American ever to have a sitcom, and nobody gave a flying fuck. Right? Who was the first? Margaret. Margaret, Margaret Show was, it? and there wasn't another one. Yeah. After it, that. After that, I was the second one. Then came like fresh off. Then came Doctor Ken. Then fresh off the boat. Right? I know what that is because hers didn't work, and they were like, "You see? Yeah. <laughs> to hell with these ten million billion people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that's what happened with redheads being leads in movies. That guy from fucking NYPD Blue, after one season, walked, and he did Jade in one other movie, and they didn't do well, and they were just like, see? This is why the redhead male will never be a lead David in a Caruso fucking movie. ruined everything for you. He put us on the bench. Yeah. He, he, put, us, he put us back into uh, Richie Cunningham world. <laughs> the guy from Billions is bringing you back. Who's that guy? The, the, the dude from Billions. He's redhead. He's a ginger, right? Who? A, like a UK actor, he was in the uh, Band of Brothers. He was one of the leads in Band of Brothers. Then, I'm not well. talking ensemble cast. I'm saying the fucking film is on your freckled shoulders. <laughs> they, there's a certain you know what, you know what I call it. I call it Hollywood head. Every once in a while, I see it. that guy. Has, he has a Hollywood head. Yeah, it's the fucking brown of jet black hair with the cowlick, the Superman haircut yeah. look, with the square fucking jaw. If you add blue eyes in that, that fucking guy is a lead. I don't care if he can act. He's a fuck. He will be. Listen, <laughs> I just want to run my food truck. Get out of that thing. It's starting a movie. I can't tell you, dude. It was so funny. They got funny. big facial features, too. Those people look weird in real life. Yeah. You know what I mean? They got like giant five, fucking seven. heads. They, got, they look fucking. They, they look like they, they were drawn. They like look a, good on anime. On screen. They look good on screen, yeah. Yeah. I got a big enough head. I just didn't have the right pigment. Dude, I can't tell you, like, back in the day, it was fucking hilarious. My first, first time I came out here, this is way back when they had black and white headshots, which I remember your one with the staples in it was black and white. So don't even act like you're fucking not as but old. But yours said Billy Bird, didn't it? Uh, it's, I went by William at first. Yeah. Then Bill, then Billy, then back to Bill. I finally just had to deep, like, because I, I was trying to find, because everyone was saying, like, you got a weird last name. You got, I got sucked into that showbiz thing. And then finally I was just like, my name's Bill. Fuck it. So, um,. <laughs> But I don't mind if you call me Bill, Billy, or William, as long as you're fucking calling me. I don't give yeah. a shit. As long as I'm working, <laughs> I'm fine. So um, 
I ended up like I would have like the black the black and white headshots. So with the moose in the hair in the mid to late nineties, yeah. it looked like I had hair color like somewhere between yours and mine right now. So it looked like brown hair. So initially on low budget shit, they they would try me out. They would just look at my credits and not look at my tape or whatever. And they would right. they would say, okay, maybe we'll give this guy a shot at the lead. And dude, you know, prepare three scenes. And I would walk in, and the second they saw me, they'd be like. Um, we're just going to do the first scene. And I knew what it was. It was just like, I fucking knew it. I knew it. it. It's just, it was this fucking like unwritten rule out here. But I always found it funny because I've always looked at shit like that going like, I know where I'm going. I, I, this is just, you know, like when you back yeah. in the day, Lucian, I already oh, have yeah. enough white guys. And then I was just like, I know what he's saying. I know what he's saying. I yeah. would just, I, would I remember just, your first headshot. I used to see it at stand up. No, New York. you never saw my you first headshot. Well, n- not your first official one, but you were tilted sideways. You were smiling, and you had this great smile on your face. And I always, I always thought because I because I knew you off stage, I was like, I bet it pained him to like smile to do that headshot because I can't picture you like because now your pictures. I hate that are you like, see me like that, Stephen. <laughs> now your pictures are like they're like you, where you're more kind of like. Well, this is well. What you saw in that headshot was the <laughs> smiling me was who I thought I was. Right. I didn't realize. See, I have this theory that your twenties is all about. Like I always say this in the podcast that your twenties, you're just basically taking your childhood out on people. Yeah. If it was a good one or a bad one, you're and you don't even know what you're doing. You're okay. Good, yeah, so yeah. if you were raised right, you're doing something good. Okay. Yeah. But if you're, you know, a little off or whatever, then you're hurting people. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in your thirties, you stop blaming people and you start working on yourself or whatever. And then, then you're 50, almost 51. You're still in fucking therapy. <laughs> so, um, what that was, was <laughs> that was prop. That's who I was, believe yeah. it or not. That smiling kid was who the fuck I was when I felt safe. All right. But when you saw me around there, this whole fucking guarded thing that you see that's all that is that's one of just my like, favorite stories because because i get asked this when i go you know every now and then like people know uh, i'm pals with you or start in new york with you and you go do these radio uh, well, shows pals i love it a couple of fellas <laughs> you do the radio shows <laughs> and they're like what's what's burr like what's burr and i always say i we used to go to yankee games together we go to sporting events together. I went to a million Yankee games. I just sat there rooting against them. You, we go to this while Yankee while game. appreciating what, especially the '98 Yankees, the best fucking team I ever saw. So this is 2001. Uh huh. No, this is probably 2000. I, uh, the oh, bus you're the was, one who did the bus. The bus tour. kick was 2001. I still get you shit for that, that, and I never did it. And you gave I, that to and me. And they yeah. gave me so much shit for doing that bus gig that I, I never, I, I told them I didn't do it, but I never gave your you name never up. Told them who, yeah, I never and I told. Remember you were telling me you're like, like I will nev- never. He, you said don't say it because you'll get shredded for the rest of your life if you tell. Dude, anybody they did this. a headlining set. It was for, old school. 45 minutes. Yeah. Upstairs at the cellar, Patrice, Kevin. Voss, Norton, Keith, all the killers were there. Yeah. They did on a fucking hour on what my bus gig was going to be like, <laughs> trashing me. And dude, it was so fucking, they crushed me so hard. Strangers were listening and laughing, or worse, there was a couple women going, oh, because they were looking at my, I had nothing. I got fucking. So you gave just, me this gig. The gig was basically you go on a bus. And like from Midtown to Yankee Stadium, you had to do stand-up comedy. These guys from Atlanta had come up. It was the Braves. It was the second time the Braves. It was 99. Is that right? Nine? No. And what the fuck this was This is the 2001 it? World Series, dude. 2001. Is Arizona. This is, oh, so it was George Arizona. Bush, George it was Arizona. Pitch. Okay, so the Arizona uh, Diamondbacks. These, these were fans from Arizona. Yeah. And they had rented a party bus to go from their hotel 
up to the fucking Yankee Stadium. They wanted a comedian in that fucking traffic. I can't imagine how much time you had to do to do stand up. And, and in return, you got a World Series ticket. And I was just like, dude, I'll fucking because I'll bomb. I'll just sit there. All I got to do is shit on the Yankees yeah. for an hour. I can do that for fucking a day. I'll take the ticket and I'll fucking leave. But then and you, you took it, it and you couldn't do it. You said, here's the opportunity, do it, but don't tell anybody. I couldn't. They teased me out of it. You know what it was? It wasn't even the trashing. Yeah. It was after the pounding that I took, and they all you left. You couldn't even do it. And I was just sitting there like a punch-drunk <laughs> fighter. She gave it to me. And Patrice you sat down next to me yeah. in this fatherly way. He said, Bill, I will stand in front of that bus before I let you do that gig. If you want to go to a World Series, buy a ticket. Yeah. You got the money. And it was the first time I ever thought, like, well, I, I think I've earned some sort of self-esteem as a comedian yeah. because you come up every. It's just one impossible situation after another that you you start to get institutionalized. That, dude, I remember one time I went to I had to do this gig at, at a it was called a, a birth a private gig birthday party. I think uh, Linda Rowe booked it or something. Uh, I don't. Know, I, she uh, booked this fuck. I love her. She booked me at this thing. I think it was her. It was Roger Paul. One of those two. Yeah. And I, I just, went there, uh, and what it was was. It wasn't a birthday party. There was an Irish guy getting deported because oh. he got caught for fucking helping out the IRA. And oh, I just remembered man. he went up first, and I don't know who he was talking about, probably Margaret Thatcher or one of the English cunts. And he was like, I got fucking two words for him, and it's not happy birthday. <laughs> and the whole place goes like, it goes nuts. And they all marched up to the bar and started drinking. And only the women were there not paying attention. I was standing there. Fortunately, it was two other comedians bomb. Oh, those fucking prom shows that Stand Up New York oh, used to book. And Dangerfields. Dangerfields, you have to do a half hour for the prom shows. Oh, just for people who don't know, you, you would show up, and these fucking kids in the prime of their lives, they just want to have a good time on a boat, and it was on a little boat cruise around the island of Manhattan, and they would have the dance music going. They would cut the music, and then you had to walk out into the middle of the dance floor and start doing stand-up fucking comedy. I did one crew, one that was good. They actually put him in a room, and I had, like, a chance. Like, dude, I, I can't even remember the gigs. They were that traumatic. They're just oh. sort of, like, flashes. And then you would bomb, and then you're on this boat, and you can't leave. I, I wish Patrice would have stood in front of that boat and said, Bill, yeah. I don't want to let you on this. Dude, I used to hide down by the engine room, and then you had to make, <laughs> then you had to make the decision. As the boat was pulling in, do I try to get first in line and feel them staring at the back of my head, or do I hide here like a rat? And wait for him to get off. And one time, I the first time I hid like a rat. And and right as I thought they'd all left, there was just one of them walked off. So I was this black kid. I remember he just looked at me. I can't do the. It's a face. He just looked yeah. at me, kind of pursed his lips and just slowly shook his head <laughs> as he was looking at me. And he was looking at me like, man, I don't know what the fuck you were thinking that you'd ever be good at this shit. <laughs> Dude, so I got to that's why I said yes story. to the buck because I was just like, I've already done gigs way worse than this bus story and I'm getting a World Series ticket out of this? Like, yeah. I, I'm actually pissed at myself that I didn't do the gig. Well, I did it and thank you for it because I got to see George Bush throw the opening pitch out. And, it, it was, it and was he nailed it too. He fucking he nailed he, it, yeah. He, he fucking it was threw just some after 9-11. It was like a euphoric kind of vibe in the stadium. The rest and of the world had, had empathy towards us before. Everybody kind of liked us then and, yeah. Felt we but, were victims. Dude, we go to this and game. Then... I forget who, who <laughs> but this pop fly comes up and this guy and this kid go for it. Uh-huh. And this guy catches the ball. And this kid's kind of like still standing there. And the guy's turning around waving the ball. 
and everybody in our section starts booing this guy. Boo! Give the kid the ball. Oh, give, give it to a kid. kid. Give it to a give kid. Give it to a kid. You start chanting. I start chanting. Give it to the kid. The whole sections. Give it to. It's starting to spread. All the sections neighboring. Give it to the kid. And this guy's getting pounded. People are not letting up. It's going on for two minutes, uh-huh. three minutes. And eventually the guy stands up and he turns around and he makes a fucking production. He holds the ball out so everybody can see. And he hands it to the kid, right? And the kid stands up. Everybody claps. You go, you fucking caved. You should have kept the ball. <laughs> and everybody start laughing. You go, smoke this. Everybody else is smoking it. And then everybody starts pounding this guy and yelling their own insults. Oh, about peer pressure? It was so fucking funny. Everybody was dying laughing. It was the only time I saw a comic get like laughs at a stadium. From the crowd, it I've always so killed at stadiums. I always killed at stadiums, and there was a, there was a thing. I had this weird fucking this weird. I would become a different person when I went to a game for a while. Yeah, but this is before I was known because now they're like, oh, that's that jerk off from Comedy Central. So now it's not fun. But before anybody knew who I was, I would go into a stadium, dude. I would be on the road. I used to embarrass Paul Verzi. I one time <laughs> yeah. I I got I I don't know I would just become completely uninhibited and it was just all about making my section laugh and trying to have like a good set and this is before all those flat screen tvs came in and killed the class clown at at the sporting event because now everybody just sits there staring at cam yeah yeah so i was at this this game uh it was the dolphins versus the bang bangles and i was yelling all of this shit you got to be bored you got to be yelling shit during that game right i know i but i i want to go to all the stadiums so and which I basically have. I got six left in the four major. Um, but then I found out some rich guy's already done it, the fucking cunt. Um, so uh, I was trashing the Dolphins because they were right in front of us. Yeah. And I was doing such a good job, and they were all laughing around me. And somebody said, hey, man, get because it was a close game, get on their kicker. Get on their kicker. So I just, this guy, Carpenter, and I just focused in on this guy. Yeah. And this at this point, they had the flat screen TVs, but it was the Bengals who were like barely in the NFL, you know, their stadium and shit. So it's just like they don't have like a lot of like crazy shit going on. Yeah. So I started in on this guy. Carpenter. Verzi always starts. You're a liability. And I had to make sure that I didn't curse because there was kids around there. And I just started yeah. in with this guy. And I swear to God. You're a liability? That's, yeah. That's I was yelling crazy. shit about him getting his. It's not too late to get your real estate license. And I was talking about his career after football. And I swear to God, he picked up his tee in the net and he moved all the way down (laughs) to the other side. And I am convinced, I want to believe it was because of the shit I was talking. I mean, the guy guy still had a great career. Then he went up. But it was funny because I never forgot his name. Then I saw him in like Buffalo. I'm like, oh, my God. I called Verzi up. There he is. Carpenter. (laughs) Um, I did a couple times. I, I felt like I got to somebody. One time I went to a game at Old. Tiger Stadium or Briggs Stadium as my yeah. dad would call it and I sat in I wanted to see, it was the only stadium that had an upper deck all the way around so I sat in the upper deck the short porch out in right field and they were, there was an interleague game they were playing the Pirates so you now the center field and the left field to play catch and the right field was right. playing catch with like a backup catcher or something so he was playing and the guy had just the guy in right field had just hit an inning ending double play mm-hmm. And I started in on him about how they, you know, you do shit like that. That's how you get sent down to the minors. You're on the Pirates. You're barely into the league, in the league. And, and you know, and it's a short porch. So I'm hanging over this guy, yeah. yelling. And dude, he threw his next pitch, his next throw. And I swear to God, it sailed like eight feet over the guy's fucking head. And then I felt <laughs> bad. Then I felt bad. Yeah. You're the cooler. 
No, I was just like, hey, dude, I was just fucking with you, man. You know I mean, I I'm just trying to break you. I don't even give a fuck about the Tigers. I'm just, I'm just being an asshole. Um, I had a buddy of mine. He got somebody at Fenway Park one time. He was yelling at the relief pitcher, and he was screaming yeah. all of this shit at this guy. And this guy is just stone-faced, yeah. not acknowledging any of it. And then finally it just quiet, got quiet, and my buddy just goes, I know you can hear me, <laughs> right? And the guy broke into a big smile and just started fucking laughing. He just started fucking laughing. And then the whole section laughed and liked the guy. Yeah, yeah. That's you know what that was? It's actually a comedian. It's Ira Proctor, Boston guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know you can hear me. One of my favorites, something like that, is um, I did this college oh, <clears throat> years ago, and Screech was just coming on the comedy scene. Diamond, right? Screech, yeah, Dustin Diamond. Dustin Diamond. And Not I remember to be confused I got with booked, Michael Diamond. I got booked at this, um, you know, this college campus, and, and so we were double booked. So they're like, you know what, Steve, why don't you open, and Screech will, Dustin Diamond will close the show. Dude, what fucking time is it? I gotta make sure I don't miss oh, yeah. this shit. What time is it? 12.35. Oh, we're fine. Oh, we started early. Okay. okay. We're, we're fine. Good? We're fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I go, yeah, I don't give a shit. It's fine. Yeah. You know, this is a good payday. There's colleges back in the day. So they put us in this big campus theater or whatever it's like 5,000 kids and I go up and I'm like I'm like you know if Dustin Diamond's going after me I'm going to bury this fucker so I just I, I, I pull out all the 4th of July fireworks you know yeah. the, do 20 on like my best like hard hidden seller stuff and he goes you tried uh, to bury a childhood child star because <laughs> I was just kind of like pissed at the time I'm like I was still kind of like, you know. You were it. taking gonna, your fucking... childhood out on him. <laughs> on, on Didn't he Hotel, have enough? Yeah. You know you know his residuals. He's not making shit. It's a, you, it's okay, so you try to bury but Dustin you know, Diamond. Like back what in happens? the day when you were a little younger and this guy's coming off the TV credits. and It's like, fuck it. Okay. So, so yeah, you're probably right. But anyways, I go up to do my thing, and then Screech goes up. And I, you know, you get that grace applause. Five minutes, it starts to dissipate. And eventually, it's just silent. And it's like that, that scene in Andy Kaufman's movie, the Jim Carrey one, where mm-hmm. he's doing that college and slowly people are walking out of the amphitheater and stuff. And I kind of felt bad. And I was going to say, then how'd you feel, Steve? I felt really bad. I felt all bad. Right. We and, all have those moments. And it's silent. It's quiet. He just did a joke to Bob's. And just absolute pure silence. Just you, you could hear a pin drop. And then just way in the back from a rafter in the back, you just hear... Fuck you, Screech! And I fucking couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. I don't think I've ever laughed harder. Because it echoed, you know, uh, and it was just so quiet. And it was just way up. And I was fucking in tears, crying so hard. It was one of the worst, like, <laughs> moments where yeah. somebody just says something at the right time. It's crushing. It's fucking soul crushing. Oh. And then you see all that shit that he ended up doing. Then he's got to grow the beard. He's got to try to seem edgier. He's gotta just, he's did, he did porn. That kid probably drove him to porn. That he fuck did you porn. screech, I bet, still echoes in his head to yeah. this day. And it made him do porn. And this is the thing. That was actually respect. He just wanted to be the guy... I yelled, fuck you, Screech, at Screech. That's what yeah. it becomes. That's his, that's his Twitter handle. Hey, speaking of that, did you, uh, as far as, like, dealing with, like, uh, people knowing who you are, did you see that documentary on Bill Murray yet? No. There's this documentary this kid made about... Uh, Tales Bill, about Bill Murray, yeah. Yeah, like, seeing... It was all these urban myths about, you know, hey, we were playing kickball, and all of a sudden Bill Murray showed up and played three innings, and then yeah. he was just disappeared, or he showed up at our house party. With started... a French fry, no one will believe this. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, all of that shit. So he was investigating it and all this type of stuff. But like when you watch it, it's just this fascinating thing to see. It's a combination of him like living in the moment and then also uh, dealing with how famous he is, I feel. Yeah. That it's just like I'm going to go on the offensive here and be like so open and normal. It's going to freak you out and then we're going to meet in the middle where I'm just a guy named Bill. It's fucking yeah. fascinating. It's and it, like it, mental judo. He flipped it on you. Yeah. Yeah. And actually taught you something. And yeah. then by the time you figure it out, he's gone. And then you realize, I didn't even ask him for an autograph. Yeah. Yeah. So he actually gets like, like I feel like this is what he does so he can have a normal existence. You know, one time I was flying on a little fucking puddle jumper over to uh, South Carolina, and he's a part owner. Yeah, in a minor league team there, and he was on my flight, and dude, he I, I missed him by one seat. Oh yeah, I was in the opposite row, opposite of the aisle, the two seater, and he sat on the other side of the two seat on the window. Yeah, so I couldn't hear what he was saying, but he talked to that other guy the whole fucking oh, flight. Really? Oh, that's awesome! And I was just like, "Fuck!" <laughs> I was almost there. Do you ever? Want to be that guy? I never. I always hated that. Like I never wanted guy? to. Like, like if I was sitting next to Bill, I don't know if I'd say anything. I, 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 I might be like, you know, I might. Say no, something. no, I, I never, I never. You know, bug. I mean? you know what it is? What I find with people at that level is if you somehow know what their hobby is, they'll talk to you all fucking day long. But if yeah. you go at them and talk to them about what it is they, they they've done press junkets around the fucking world. Yeah, the same. 20 questions and variations of them and it's just like and, and you know how perfect reference Groundhog Day and like yeah. literally he made that movie so um, yeah like guys you know and I also have no I don't have a desire to get to be that level of being known yeah where you're just uh, like his life is just constantly this is such a weird thing to say but being bombarded with compliments <laughs> that you can't get out of and then you can't I love leave. You. you know, you don't understand. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. No, so you don't you. understand. Yeah. You don't understand. This is just this is just and they're not letting go of his hand. And it's just like you get My Aunt Vicky. You don't yeah. Yeah. Okay. get okay. a picture. Can you can you leave a voice message on my oh my stupid phone's not on. And and then and then he walks another half a foot. Oh my god, I'm the biggest and it just becomes that. Yeah. No, it was on video. Uh for yeah. fuck's sake. Yeah. No, and you see, and you see those. Whenever I see those people, there's a sadness. Oh, dude, you know what's because the they're walking around. It's like they're like this fucking. They're like a monument. It's like you become like a thing. You're not even like a fucking person anymore. No, you're, a zoo, you're a zoo exhibition. Yeah. When I go out with Vince, and like especially when we're in Chicago, we walk around. I'm the guy people just hand a camera to, yeah. and just go take this, and then he handles say, it really well. He he's really, really well good at it. He's, he's good at it. He's great. But but then they take But he it likes from... people. I think he does you, like people. I yeah. think you have to like people. But if yeah. if you're like a fucking curmudgeon like me, <laughs> I don't think yeah. I yeah. I like I'm acting like this is an option to get that fucking big, but I just when I look at it, like that's something when you get into the business, you think Oh, I, w- I want to win an Oscar, and I'm going to direct a fucking movie, and I'm going to fucking, uh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and then you, f- when you get in, first of all, you see how fucking hard it is, and then secondly, is you when you actually start to see what that thing is, you kind of, yeah. like, I-, I looked at, it, I was just like, oh, it's creepy. Yeah, you can't eat. 
you can't well go, not now now with know. those fucking like the, everybody's it's like Jager Hoover everybody's got like a fucking camera now <laughs> like I was saying with you dude the fact that they came at you and could just stay fuck you Jackie Chan you fucking Asian blah 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 and then oh, threw yeah. a chair at you there's no evidence of it and then they just walked out uh, and they, nothing happened nothing happened but and, like these days they'd be fired from the night shift at Best Buy you know it's like that's yeah like oh shots fired there and- I saw what you just did there <laughs> I saw what you did there yeah that that would be like the the thing but um well Jesus you know what Steve I I don't know this has been fucking great just to go back it's funny how we go down memory lane and there was like no they were just all brutal stories that's what I always Awful. that's the what worst, I always the worst story that ever happened to me <laughs> you always said. It's the meanest thing you've ever seen. Oh, is Bobby? SNL audition with Bobby, Bobby uh, Kelly. That's the worst. And I think if we if we close it out, you know, we we tell people that years ago, the Patrice O'Neill roast. It was a Patrice O'Neill roast, which was the purest and greatest fucking roast I ever saw. Unfortunately, I got to be a part of it because it wasn't for anybody else. It was for comments. us. I know now. I think there's tapes of it. You know, everything ends up online now. But like uh, it was was at the old Boston Comedy Club. Yeah. And the amount of people that showed up because they finally wanted to see somebody shut Patrice up. Yeah. Because he had trashed all of of industry there. Everybody. was. Yes. And they wanted to see what happened. So Bobby went. uh, You can tell this. What happened was. I I got I was married I was married He's going to get mad on some level that we're telling this story though. I was managed by Barry Katz at the time. I don't fuck Bobby. Last time I I love Bobby by the way. There's no I way not to love, love Bobby. Kelly. But you always get to a fuck Bobby and then he he just I don't know, he you know, charms you. The last time I, I saw him in New York City, he's I was like wearing a big St. Bernard. There's something goes, about him. He goes, take your ball cap off. I go, okay. And he goes, ah, you still got hair. And he walked away. He was upset. That at my age, I still he wanted me to be bald, and then he'd be happy. Like that's that's who Bobby is, you know. I know, but you have to understand the sadness behind that. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, Barry Katz manages me. He's like, "Hey, I got you." No, is this before or after you became a dad? Because he's a different guy now. Before, oh, yeah, no, before. now yeah, he's yeah. now he's like Bobby's. He's like, soft, not, Bobby. Now, oh, he's, he's, he's good, Bobby. He's Santa Claus, Bob. He's the Bobby we always want. We, we always Bobby. Knew we knew there. he could be. Yeah, <laughs> he's now. Because I will say this about Bob. He has been 11 different people since I've met him, and each in each version has been a better Bobby. It, yeah. He never went in a worse direction. Yeah. He definitely maybe stylistically with clothes for a while. Remember when he moved out to L.A. and he was starting to look in a little cholo? Yeah, a I little. A li- yeah, I don't know what happened. He he came out here and he he, he lost. He was, he was performing at Quinceañeras for a good year, I think. <laughs> <laughs> So Katz, I remember Keith said that. He said, Bob, move on to L.A. as a Puerto Rican. He came back a fat Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> so we Katz, got Bill, we got to get him out of L.A. It's killing him. Katz gets me this like audition at SNL, but, but not like the audition where you go. You got to put yourself on tape. So it's three characters, three impersonations. Uh, this is like, again, probably like late 90s, early 2000s. Cell phones are not out. Nobody has that tech. You know, yeah, was a ca- I remember that. It was camera. a cattle call to try the next, to find the next young hot talent to be on SNL, and you had to put yourself on tape. So yeah. you borrowed Bobby Kelly's camera, video camera. He, he's very tech savvy, and I borrowed his camera, and I put, it, I put a DV tape in there and let it run for an hour. I just sat in front of the camera and just let it run instead of stopping and starting. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'll just edit out. I'll just edit the and get the best parts, and that'll be my tape. So I give Bobby the, the camera back, 
and I give him, I leave the tape and I go, feel free wait, to wait, tape slow over down, it. Slow down. You forgot the tape was in. No, you no, left. I, I left the tape in there. I go, just tape over it. Because those were kind of expensive at the time. Jesus Christ, Steve. Didn't what? you know what you were dealing with? Well, I'm a trusting I thought you, person. I thought you forgot it was in there. No, I'm a trusting person, so I, I gave him, it, it was like a three-pack, so I gave him two extra tapes. So I said, Dude, Bobby Kelly there. invented the dark web. <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> he's, he's the mayor yeah, of the he's, Silk yeah. Road. Yeah. yeah, whenever they do the he's documentary on the dark web. <laughs> yeah, he, he's like, a, he's like a, a, a cataclysmic moment in the dark web, and you left that. So you, oh, I always thought, I thought you forgot it was in there. No, no, no. I, I left it in there. I go, just. I just I'm having less go, sympathy. You knew who he I was. I tape over it. So he, what he does is. At the Patrice roast, he doesn't even prepare material. No, no, no. You gotta wait. You, you, you're telling this too fast. He fucking uploaded. Well, tell, yeah, okay, good. Yeah, onto this computer and then uh-huh. kept it. Oh yeah, kept all of it for like a year, waiting for the f- perfect time to unveil it. Yeah, and then he he edited together <laughs> the worst. The absolute worst part. Me talking to myself. The most embarrassing things you singing do during Don Don Shane. I was doing Wayne, Wayne Newton because he had a Bud Light commercial at the time. It, it, dude, let me tell you something. Even the best version of that was probably horrific. Yeah. The worst version of it was absolutely abysmal and probably ensured why I never worked in New York City probably after that. But he took it, edited together this awful presentation of my audition, and instead of doing material, he wheeled out a TV – with the videotape and put the VCR tape in, and you were there. This is what he did. He went up and he tried a few jokes oh. that only did okay, and he was like, fuck you, you motherfuckers. And then he started telling a story of how you left this tape in and you have to see it. It's so bad. And it made no sense because you weren't there. I was emceeing at the Comedy Cellar, so yeah, I couldn't go Yeah, we over weren't and hang out. roasting you, and then he put it in, dude. It was so fucking bad. That the meanest people in stand-up. I remember sitting next to the late great Greg Giraldo, and we were going, shut it off! <laughs> Turn it off! Bobby, shut it off! Oh. And that was the end of his set. Yeah. And I remember, dude, I came over to the cellar. People were coming I, to the and cellar. I and I saw even, you. Look at me. I saw you, dude. Shoulders slumped, and I came over. I said, I go, hey, man. So I, I I think I apologize. I said sorry about that. And you said I'll never forget it. You looked you barely looked up to me. You're like surprised you're even talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried to tell Bobby afterwards. Now this is Bobby five versions ago. The new Bobby, new Bobby wouldn't do this. Bobby's Daddy like Bobby. a fucking iPhone. Daddy Bobby wouldn't do this. Yeah, no. not yeah. not Daddy Bobby. Yeah, but, but this is this is this is post Cholo Bobby. He's like an iPhone. Every version gets better. I'm telling you. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a better person than I am right now, and I'm not just saying that. Like, he's a fucking yeah, amazing dude true. now. But back then, he was dark, web, dark Web Bob. Dark Web Bobby. I tried to explain to him, going, Bob. Man, That's he, fucking crazy. And, you have to explain and to he him was how going, fucked up it He is. said the fuck up. No, it wasn't, dude. He was like, he was, but I think going back that maybe it was starting to enter that he did something fucked up. But the thing about Bob is, though, is you just talk to him. And you hear how he was brought up, and it's just like, oh, yeah. now, now I, I get it because he was the Bobby Kelly was the first guy I ever met whose line was further down the street than mine. Because <laughs> you know that thing, you know, all the black comics try to teach the white comics how to sit around and you know bust balls, as we called yeah. it. Like I remember me and Bob, where we lived in that game, never got a laugh. People were like, God damn, Jesus, Bill, shit. 
Yeah. They would just make fun of your shirt, and we lived in, yeah, at least my mom isn't dead. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's just, there wasn't a joke. It was just, it was fucking mean. And he was the only guy I met. Someday me and Bob have to do a fucking, I might do a, I'm back there this, this uh, summer. If I got a chance to go up and do his podcast. Oh, with Bobby? Yeah. The Shed? If we talk about when we were actually roommates, two of the most damaged <laughs> fucking lunatics ever. We still had a ton of fun. Do you know what he did one time? This is so fucking funny. And I was so fucking mad at him now, yeah. but I just think of how, like, why did I care? This is so funny. He had, first of all, he was like, you know, he was a street kid. So if anybody left anything on the fucking sidewalk, he would bring it in. Like couches, I was like, Bob, there's probably bed bugs and fucking yeah. like fucking HIV on that. They get this thing to fuck. Nah, dude, I fucking steam cleaned it, dude. Right? <laughs> so somebody had left like the prototype for a stairmaster on the sidewalk, dude. And when I tell you this thing was bare, like you ever see like you know you ever look at an, like a really old car, yeah, where, yeah, where like you open the hood and you look down and you can see your driveway. <laughs> You know what I mean? There's like, there's just bare minimal parts. This was the Stairmaster version of this. Yeah. So we were in this thing where we were trying, we were like having this war. Yeah. Which is so dumb to do this with Bob because yeah. Bob's going to win. And it was just basically, he fucked with my computer. I fucked with his computer. He yeah. fucked with my food. I'm fucking with his food. And whatever I did, I'd gotten him last. Yeah. These fucking practical jokes. And we're doing this in a railroad apartment. Oh, where where I had a walk-through bedroom and he slept in the living room. That's where we lived. It was like fucking... You ever see those those things where they stick a tiger and a lion in a pit to see what happens? Yeah. And they just kill each <laughs> other? That's what the fuck happened. So he's on this fucking Stairmaster and I had an audition for Conan O'Brien, which I know bugged him. Yeah. I know bugged him because no one was appreciating how funny he was because he was considered crass or whatever the fuck it was, right? So he was on this fucking Stairmaster, dude, yeah. okay? And it's a railroad apartment. So where he is in the living room, okay. okay, then to the right, there was a little hallway that led into the kitchen. Yeah. And, and in that little hallway was a door also to the right that led into the bathroom. So right. I was on the same side, the same wall yeah. that he was on in the bathroom. Got it, yeah. And he was on that fucking Stairmaster. And I got myself all dressed up. I got the moose in my hair that I used to have. And I'm all ready to go do my fucking audition at the comic store. For Conan O'Brien. Yeah. And he had been sitting there with, you remember those racquetballs, those blue racquetballs? Yeah. He had one of those in his fucking hand. And he was on this thing, dude. And when I tell you, like Roger Clemens, I'm coming out of the bathroom. He can't even see me. <laughs> like a pool shot. Yeah. Throws like a fucking 90 mile an hour heater. Yeah. It, all, I, all I heard was it, it hit the fucking wall and, dude, came right in and hit oh, me right shit. in the mouth. Really? Oh, my lip fucking split and I was bleeding. And he was on, I remember he was on, oh. he was on the Stairmaster laughing and then he felt bad, dude. My lips swelled up. Oh. And I was like, I got a fucking Conan O'Brien audition. <laughs> and I got like a piece Did of tissue. Yeah. Did you get it? I think I might have. I don't think I did. I don't think I did. I think it was to, just for to, so them to know who I was. Dude, I literally, I mean, I tucked my shirt in. Like, this is how much I gave a shit about this thing. And Bobby, like, it's, it's one of the greatest things anybody ever did to me as far as, like, a practical job. Dude, if you just, the, the degree of difficulty. If he was standing flat-footed. He could never do that again. This guy was on a fucking. This was skinny, Bobby. He was on a, a Stairmaster. A, a, a That's how skinny he was. Yeah. Dude, he. he, this, he this, bought, this, this was matinee idol Bobby. There was one time he he told me he he got the this is a video camera so you could communicate like 
set it up. I love how this. All, it always ends up talking about what shitting on Bobby. Bobby, yeah. We're not shitting on it. Come on. No, no, of course. But but he got this little video camera that does what FaceTime does, right? It's FaceTime before FaceTime. Right. He's like, dude, you got to get one of these cameras. They're great. So he, he shows it to me. He's talking to Dane Cook on the thing. And I was like, dude, oh, I still have a mini disc player in one of these boxes because he told me that that was the latest thing. So he thing. fucking tells me to buy this thing. I buy it. He's the only one I know that has it. I call him up. I go, hey, what's up? He hung up on me. I never used it again. <laughs> the great thing about being friends with him. It was 100 him, bucks. Yeah, but the great thing about being friends with him is like the, the you just if you just drafted behind him, like if you were in a bike race, yeah. the amount of technology shit that he would just sell to you. Uh, uh, well, you love dude. He was one. like he was the king. Of, like he would he would get something, a fold up bike, a fucking like some James Bond level flashlight, and then or, six months he hates it and he gives it to you and it's kind of cool. Not that he hated it. He was just he's he, over it. He, no, he knows what the next thing is. Yeah, because he's constantly buying the new shit. This one time I was I was rollerblading. I was playing roller hockey in Central Park. Someone mm-hmm. broke my stick. So I'm rollerblading at the time in Hell's Kitchen because Bobby and Norton lived in Hell's Kitchen. And I'm coming down like Ninth Avenue or whatever. And I see Bobby and Norton walk out of a Starbucks. And they look at me and they just start dying laughing because they're seeing me in rollerblades. Right. And they're fucking howling. They, they're, they're not even I was hoping you were going to cross-check them and they didn't see you. So I come skating down and <laughs> I, I'm walking. They're walking towards me. I'm skating towards them. And I'm going like I'm making my way through the middle of them, mm-hmm. and they both had their coffees in each other. I just smacked the coffees out of both their hands. No, and kept skating, and then I turned around, and they were both dying laughing. So it was like, <laughs> it's like those are those guys, you know. It's what they do. I love those yeah. guys. Um, it's the only thing I miss about the East Coast. But you know, some I go back, and it's it's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah. I old. went to the cellar a little bit ago, and the cellar's the same, but the vibe upstairs is not the same. Somebody said it's like going into like a, a, a one of those coffee bean. It's just like all of the every reason that you were afraid to go in there now is gone. Yeah. And what they don't understand is that we were all scared. Like what I can't stand is how soft people are running shit now. It's like it's not making it better to make everything soft. This is so fucked up, dude. I was just, you know, I had to go to the doctor, right? I got I, I didn't realize I got I got super dehydrated on this this fucking flight back from uh Israel. Right. Like I was on a plane for like twenty four hours and I just watched five movies and didn't drink anything. Oh shit. That's oh yeah. Not, I woke up yeah. the next day, I felt like I had the clap or something. It was just like <laughs> just like I, I didn't fuck anybody. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with me. Yeah. And I just been drinking like pure <laughs> cranberry juice for two weeks and I'm finally better. And but I had to go to the doctor just to make sure everything was all right, right? So uh, there was a diner downstairs. So I go down to the old school diner. has like the fucking, you know, the, you can just sit at the, uh, at the little bar area, order some bacon and eggs. And they had the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Yeah. And like Tyra Banks is on the cover, right? Still looks fucking great, man. Of course. Crushing it, right? Yeah. And um, I'm like, all right. So that's that little thing that, you know, now they can. She's in her 40s and we're progressive. We put her on the cover. Dude, I open the thing up and the first two things is two fat chicks in like string bikinis. <laughs> And I'm like, all right, they had to do that yeah. just to be like blah, blah, blah. And then I turn, then there's a hottie. Then there's like an older woman who does Pilates who looks good for her age. But I mean, you know. Yeah. And then there was another, there was like another two. And it's just like, what the, f-? and I just laughed. I'm then like. you got the trans and the rainbow. It's I didn't even like, see, okay. but it's just like. I get it. I, it's just like one of those fucking things where I just think it's so fucking funny. Like. Like, why can't you just accept the fact that you're not a 10 the way I do? 
Like I, I, I never looked at Brad Pitt and Fight Club and be like, well, you know, he just created an impossible image for me to live up to. Now I have to have eight-pack abs. It inspired me to go to the gym. I know I'm never going to look like a – but they don't have to put like – like on the cover of Men's Health, they don't have to have some guy with like a beer belly wearing a half a shirt so I can feel better about myself and yeah. feel safe enough to open the fucking magazine. Dude, these people that are in incredible shape and that are beautiful and everything, should it fucking inspire you – or whatever to to, to to do something with your fucking life, yeah. I, because why, they never talk about the other side of being that good looking, where it's just like those people's careers are over in their fucking thirties. Yeah, they, that's why Tyra Banks is so smart that she she did the whole thing where it's now now I'm gonna pick the next good looking whatever. You know, yeah. model, whatever the fuck it is well, that they do over there. It, like when everybody's trying to appease everybody, like when McDonald's after that doc came out, and it's like. Oh, we got to be healthy. It's like, no, you got to be McDonald's. That's why I like Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. Is like, do you eat like shit? Then fucking come on down. Right. Because we we don't give a fuck. We'll put a taco no, in a I've burger. No, I've seen comedians do that. Comedian, oh, there's like, no jokes here. And then they try to be the serious comic. You're not the fucking serious comic. Don't be that guy. Yeah, yeah. don't listen to him. Dude, this will be a whole nother hour if we yeah, do this. Sorry. Let's just let's say uh, the, the name of the documentary is Always Amazing. Always Amazing. It's available on the All Things Comedy YouTube channel for free. June 3rd, Monday, June 3rd, Monday, June 3rd, it's free. It's on YouTube. Check it out, spread the word, and then you and I, you were gracious enough to come down and do uh, a great role for us in the opening act. Dude, you hooked me up. a film about my early years in stand-up, and that's going to come out later on this year, so everything Hey, dude, I'm proud of you, man, because you're making your own opportunity out here, and so many people just sit on the couch and bitch, and you're fucking working your ass. I can tell by that inhale and exhale you just did how fucking tired you are. No, I totally respect what you're doing, and you're you're making your own way, and and, and when you do that, dude, you become, you know... As invincible as you can be out here. You, you got to bet on yourself, dude. So, you have to, yeah. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Steve Byrne, everybody. Thank you so much for coming down. You got it, Bill. Thanks for having me. All right, All right here's the advertising. Helix. Helix? Helix Sleep built a sleep quiz that takes two minutes to complete, and they use the answers to match the body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. Whether you're a side sleeper, a hot sleeper, like a plush or firm bread bed, sorry, with Helix, Helix, there's no more guessing or compromising. So just go to helixsleep.com slash burr, take their two-minute sleep quiz, gross, and they'll match you to a mattress that will keep you, uh, give you the best sleep of your life. For couples, Helix can even split the mattress down the middle, providing individual support needs and feel preferences for each side. Helix Sleep was even awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 by GQ and Wired Magazine, and CNN called it the most comfortable mattress they've ever slept on. They also endorsed Hillary Clinton. (laughs) Sorry. Did I mention I'm in a public bathroom reading this? That's why it's echoing. No, I'm not taking a shit. Uh, They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for hundreds for a hundred nights risk-free. Gross. Right now, Helix is offering up to $125 off mattress orders for our listeners. Get up to $125 off helixsleep.com slash burr. That's helixsleep.com slash burr for up to $125 off your order. Helixsleep.com slash burr. Uh, it's a long story why I'm in this fucking bathroom. They're doing rehearsals in the other room. This is the only fucking quiet place, all right? So don't give me any shit. Butcher box. ButcherBox makes it easy to get high-quality meat that you can trust. Every month, ButcherBox delivers 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, free or range 
organic chicken, heritage breed pork, my favorite, and wild Alaskan salmon. This salmon is wild. Directly to you, Dua. The incredible quality of butcher box meat starts with the commitment to humanely raise animals that are never fed antibiotics or hormones before they're slaughtered. Did we mention it's delivered right to your door? Choose from four curated boxes, including a mix of high quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage breed pork, or customize your own box so that you can get exactly what you and your family love. Butcher Box also has wild caught Alaskan sockeye salmon and Butcher Box bacon uh, that is sourced from heritage breed pigs and is uncured, nitrate-free, and sugar-free. There's no way... No easier way to get high-quality meat you can trust. There's no commitment you can cancel any time. Jesus Christ, they're going to say it again. Grass-finished beef or 100% grass-fed beef. We got it. Means the cattle ate nothing but grass their entire life. Uh, for the ultimate barbecue bundle, absolutely free. And your first Butcher Box plus $20 off, go to butcherbox.com slash burr or enter promo code burr. That's two... New York strip steaks, baby back ribs, and two pounds of ground beef. My mouth is literally watering reading this. Free in your first box plus $20 off. Butcherbox.com slash burr or enter the promo code burr. going on it's bill burr and it's the monday morning podcast for monday may 30th 2011 happy memorial day happy memorial day you should be out at a parade for the truth but you're just sleeping off a hangover because you are a fucking selfish cunt You wave hello to the troops at the airport, but when they give them a day and you're supposed to be out there, you're laying in your fucking bed, you douche. Hey, what's going on? I'm in my bed too. I notice you have braces. I have braces too. What's that line from, huh, everybody? The Beavis and Butthead movie. Oh boy, oh boy, who took Tylenol PM last night? I did. I roofied myself, everybody. You ever just really, really, really fucking tired? Fucking tired, dude. Dude, I slept like a fucking stone kid. Um, I was really tired last night. I was nodding off. I was on my couch. And um, what the fuck was I doing? I was dealing with my dog who's afraid of the wind. He's like the wind. Am I going to sing this whole fucking podcast? My dog does not like wind. It freaks the fucking thing out, and it eats its way out of its cage. I call it the cage. The dog trainer calls it the casa, which is Spanish for the cage. (laughs) No, it isn't. Um, I took two years of Espanol, see you play, and casa means house. So what he's suggesting is it's not a cage. Cage 
implies that it's something negative. And you don't want to have a shut up, you useless cunt. All right, go trim your fucking beaver and stay out of my head. All right, it's a fucking cage. The dog is in a cage. Who breaks out of a house? You know? You break into a house. Oh, my God, it's so awesome. I have to get in there and see what kind of stuff they have. You break into a house, but when you break out of a structure, um, that's not a home. Okay? When you don't give a fuck that your gums are bleeding and you're scraping the chest hair off of your torso so you can squeeze through a fucking porthole that your fat-ass body can't fit through, that's not a house. That's not a casa. That's not le maison or whatever the fuck it is in French. Uh, I can't think of it. Didn't it begin with a C-H? What is French for house? Chapeau was a fucking hat. La chemise was a shirt. Mon chemise et Jean. Um, no, mademoiselle. I'll go fuck yourself. I flunked. You know something? I actually took French 1 past that, then was t- but was too dumb to go on to French 2. So they actually had French 2A, the triple A of fucking French part 2. And uh, I flunked so bad. I flunked that class so badly, my dad made me go back to French 1 to get the basics, and uh, I then went back and flunked that. (laughs) (coughs) (coughs) Ah, Jesus Christ. Still a little sick here, people. If you wonder why I'm a comedian, that little little story I just gave you right there, that I'll let you know right there. That I'll let you know. You know, the fact that I could go back in time and do worse than I did the first time. You know, did you guys ever see Back to the Future when uh, Marty McFly goes back? You know, and he just starts righting all the wrongs. And when he comes back to the future, he's got a Toyota 4Runner, right? And everything worked out. And he got the girl of his dreams. I did that in real life. I went back in time. I went back to French 1, and I actually ended up doing worse. So because of that, I never liked that trilogy. Everyone else was just going along for the ride. And I was sitting there going, dude, that's fucking bullshit. All right? He'd go back in time, and, and he would do even fucking worse. Um, all right, let's move on here. This is the Monday Morning Podcast, everybody. Um, for those of you who uh, enjoy the sound of my voice and feel like you can't get enough of it, um, just in case you missed it, last week I actually was on uh, the Adam Carolla podcast, um, the most downloaded podcast in the history of podcasting. They even had the T-shirts, some sort of Guinness Book of World Records that they set for a number of downloads. I was on last week's episode, and I had a great fucking time, um, which was recorded live at John Lovitz's uh, comedy club at Universal uh, fucking strip mall, whatever the fuck you call that thing. It's this big thing out here called Universal. I think they used to make movies, and at some point they just made a left turn, and they were like, let's just stick like 12 shitty restaurants next to each other and a big IMAX theater, and then we'll have some stupid rides. And uh, I got a feeling that a bunch of fat fucks in Hawaiian shirts will show up. What do you guys think? And they all went, yeah, let's fucking do it. You know what? They were right. They were right. A bunch of fatties walking around with their swollen feet. You ever look look down at fat people's feet? You ever look at that shit? You know, they're already fat because they ate a whole bag of fucking... M&M's on the way over there, one of those giant fucking bags, you know, 
the kind of bag. It's so fucking big that if you were making a brick wall, if one of the bricks was just the bag of M and M's, you it, it, it would it wouldn't it wouldn't compromise the structure. You could just concrete right over the fucking thing. What's with the yellow brick? That's a big bag of M and M's, sweetheart. My fat fucking uncle showed up with that, and uh, he dropped it on the ground, and uh, he couldn't pick it up, and we just sat there laughing at him. And he's like, come on, come on, help me pick it up. And we just sat there laughing at him. You pick it up, you fat fuck. Come on, earn it. Earn it, tubby. Hey, look at Uncle Fatty trying to pick up his bag of M&M's. Well, see, the problem was uh, there was a there was a bit of a uh, probably a 15% grade in my front yard. So the fat fuck bends down and uh, he rolled. He fell backwards on his big toddler ass and uh, he whacked his head off the curb. And uh, I went to jail for eight months on a manslaughter charge. And uh, I also have to, part of my community service is I have to uh, talk about the dangers of bullying. But in a tribute to him, we took that big bag of M&Ms and we uh, we put it right in the wall there. God rest his soul. Um, all right, what the fuck am I talking about? Uh, the Monday Morning Podcast has a donation button, everybody. Do you have a dollar? You got 20 bucks just burning a hole in your pocket? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with that money, huh? You going to spend it on that fucking unappreciative cunt sitting across from you right now who can't hear what you're listening to? Huh? You listening to it on your iPod and she's sitting right across from her? Look at her. Look at that stupid fucking side of her face. Yeah, you married that. You're legally bound to that. What are you going to do? Spend another 20 bucks on her? Getting her some sort of fucking, I don't know, appetizer at Applebee's? Is that what you're going to do? Is that what you're, you're laughing right now, aren't you? This is worth the 20. She isn't. She's not going to give a fuck. What's she doing right now? Looking around the room? You know, looking for, for a fucking a different dick with the, with the bigger dollar sign on it? Uh, you know, you wouldn't know that this was a holiday with the amount of meanness that I'm spewing here. Uh, I'm a little frustrated. I'm still trying to get over this fucking cold that I've had all goddamn week. And I'm also frustrated because I've been going on stage going off in support of Lance Armstrong, and I'm really beginning to realize how few people give a shit about bicycle racing. Um, you know, I actually got to be honest with you. I actually put that out there, and somebody connected with the tour sent me an email and uh, said he thought that the shit I said last week was fucking hilarious when I was trashing that fucking cunt, that piece of shit, Tyler Hamilton. Tyler Hamilton, do you, you guys understand, first of all, those of you who are actually keeping up on the Lance Armstrong story, all four of you, um, do you understand that he's not going to get caught? The guy took fucking 500 goddamn tests. He passed them all. So now all they can do is just get people to say that they saw him do it. That's not going to hold up in court. And not to mention, the people coming forward are fucking known cheats. You know? Tyler Hamilton, this fucking cunt, this is his background. The balls of this guy. American cyclist Tyler Hamilton announced his retirement Friday. This is uh, an article, October 8th, uh, I'm sorry, April 18th, 2009. Oh, I did research this week. Okay, he announced his retirement Friday. Why? Because he accomplished everything he could accomplish in that wonderful sport? No. He retired Friday after testing positive for the steroid 
DHEA, which he said he knowingly ingested in an over-the-counter herbal antidepressant. All right, here's a guy who's on antidepressants, and he's taking steroids. This is the guy that's going to bring you down? A known fucking cheat? He was a, it was the second doping offense for the veteran rider who tested positive for... Now, I don't want to offend gay people here. He tested positive for homo logus, blood transfusion. He got a big bag of semen evidently shot into his fucking veins to add to the testosterone. Jesus Christ, how the fuck did he win that year? Uh, Homoglobulous blood transfusion in 2004 and served a mandatory two-year suspension, even as he disputed the test results through two rounds of arbitration. These are the kinds of people who are coming up. All right, this guy's life's over. He rode a bicycle until he was 30. You know, do you realize how big a hole that is in your resume when you try to get back into the real world and try and get a desk job? Gee, you know, it's weird. Um... Do you have any sort of job experience? Um, I rode a bicycle from age 8 to 30. Yeah, and um, then I got fired. I got fired from riding a bicycle, and now I would like a management position. Hey, Tyler, why don't you go fuck yourself? So then what does he do? Oh, Jesus, what do I do? Do I write a book? I don't want to write a book. That's work. What else should I do? What if I just go on 60 Minutes and I rat out Lance Armstrong? You piece of shit. Douchebag of the fucking month. This fucking guy, Tyler Hamilton. You, be- I-, I just can't believe that shit. Okay, first of all, people. I'm going to tell you this right now. You can't ride a bicycle. I said it last week. You can't ride a bicycle 30 miles a fucking hour up a goddamn mountain. All right? For a month. You can't do that without being on drugs, all right? So get your fucking heads out of Santa Claus's ass. They're all on drugs, okay? They're on drugs. Yes, all of them. So what are you going to do? You're going to take it away from Lance and give it to the other drugged up guys? This is fucking stupid. This is the 2004 Red Sox versus the 2004 Yankees. Our roided up guys beat your roided up guys. He won seven in a row. Seven! He won seven in a row. Case closed. On to the next one. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Voices in my head. Stop bringing it up. God damn it. I got to blow my nose. Hang on a second. I got to hit pause. All right. I'm back. Jesus Christ. I swear to God, if this fucking cold lasts one more damn day, I'm shaving the mustache right out of my beard and I'm going to look like fucking Abe Lincoln. Nothing worse than blowing your nose when you got a mustache. It's like a four-hour process. All right, so anyways, back to the damn podcast. Speaking of sports, um, how about those Boston Bruins? Huh? All you fucking haters! Where's your team? Huh? They're out there, little fucking charity golf game. Raising money for cancer. That's what they're doing. There's only two teams left, people. The Boston Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks. The only professional sports team that throughout its history has dressed worse than Sinbad. (laughs) The ugliest fucking uniforms, ladies and gentlemen. 
known to fucking man, known to all of sports for a good 20 fucking years. Horrific. Abs- they came out of the gate with one of the great uniforms of all fucking time. And then what happened? What happened in the 80s? They decided we need to switch it up a little bit. See, the problem is, is not only are they in Canada, they're way on the West Coast. Way out. They don't even know what the fuck's going on. They don't know what styles are in. So in the fucking early 80s, they switched their goddamn uniform. Something like that. You know what it was? Was Disco finally made it to Vancouver by 1982. And when everybody else was listening to the Talking Heads, right? The last couple of police albums, they were still up there. Do a little dance. Make a real rove. And then they came up with the ugliest fucking goddamn uniform I've ever seen in my life. And uh, the away jerseys were bad enough. But the home ones, I'm telling you, were the ugliest. There's a picture of Cam Neely. I'm going to have it up on the the mmpodcast.com, the official fan page of the Monday Morning Podcast, of him in that uniform. And I swear to God, when you see him in that uniform, you would actually consider dropping the gloves with the guy. That's how bad these fucking uniforms are. So these douchebags in their little fucking mining town, way on the west coast of Canada, way out there, you know, they live on the other side of the fucking Rockies, okay, way the fuck out there, all right? Like if you were in Seattle and decided that you were going to drive to Alaska, there'd only be one little shit-ass fucking town on the way there, and that town is called Vancouver. And you know what's funny about those cunts? They actually think that they're cosmopolitan up there. They got a bit of an attitude, people. They think that they have this fucking, oh, let's do some ecstasy. We got a couple of nightclubs up here. All right, so what do these dumb cunts do? After they, for fucking years, wear the ugliest fucking hunk of shit uniform I've ever seen in my life. I remember being in sixth grade when I saw that uniform going, that is fucking horrific. You know? I'm in sixth grade, people. I just stopped coloring. I should have loved that uniform. That's what it looks like. It looks like when a five-year-old, remember when you did that when you were five and you grabbed every crayon in the box and you just started writing letters, you know, because you thought that would make the fucking girl look at you, you know, because you knew you wanted to do something to her, but you didn't quite know what because there was no internet, so you didn't know what fucking was yet because you were allowed to have a childhood, you know? That's what those fucking uniforms look like. And you know what's amazing? is these motherfuckers, they finally admit that they made a fashion error and they go back to the original good idea that they had. And then what do they do? They fuck it up. They fucked it up. They went back to the blue and white with a little bit of green. Then they got the C on their thing and then they got this fucking killer whale coming out of the top of the C looking like a fucking whale centaur. Terrific. They just, you know what it is? They just couldn't 100% admit that they made a fucking mistake and you just went back to the original, which is what the fuck they should have done, just like the Jets. As dumb as those green cunts are, they realized that those uniforms they wore with Richard Todd and Freeman McNeil were a fucking mistake. Terrible mistake. Bill Parcells came in, right, with his big fucking bunt pushing out his Dockers. And he says, listen, we're going back to the original. And they were like, why? What's wrong with these? Because we want to win. 
Everybody out there is going to go out there dressed like Joe Willie. You got a fucking problem with that? Wesley Walker doesn't have a ring. Rest my case. Actually, I think he wore it early on. I shouldn't have picked him. Whatever. Marty Lyons never got a ring. Even though he looked like Merlin Olsen. <coughs> ah, fuck. Hang on a second. Jesus. All right, I'm back. Where was I? Oh, that's right. Trashing the Vancouver Canucks. In that little mining town way out there on the West Coast in British Columbia. Yeah, so they couldn't admit that they made a fucking mistake. So now they got this whale coming out of the letter C. I fucking hate it. I went up there. I went to a game up there and I wanted to get a fucking jersey. And I just couldn't get myself to do it. You know, I was like, all right, I'm living on the West Coast now. I need a West Coast team. I like the Canucks. I like that they went back to their uniform. And then I looked at it closely and I saw that stupid whale coming out of there. Looking like when that fucking alien thing comes out of that dude's stomach in that movie. I can't remember. You know, that thing that comes out of the fucking alien. You know, remember in the alien, in that movie Alien, right? Did I say alien enough times in that sentence? When it opens its mouth and then for some reason, rather than using its big mouth, it, it uses its, its little mouth, that nibble thing. That's what it has. They have the whale version of that coming out of the letter C. They just, you know, I don't fucking know. Then they got this, the fucking twins there. You know, who has brothers on the same fucking team? Isn't there like a rule against that? I know you can't have all a bunch of brothers on the same battleship because of that time in World War II when the boat got sunk. And then some poor mom and dad, they lost five kids at the same fucking time. Isn't that the same rule with sports? Why do you got two blood relatives on the same goddamn team? Why is it, what is it like a mom and pop fucking uh, hardware store or something? Oh, the motherfuckers. I'm just trying to work up some hatred. I really don't have any hatred for Vancouver. I really don't even know shit about your city. You know why? Because you're never in the news. Except once every fucking goddamn millennium you host an Olympics. You know why? Why? Because you got snow. It's not because you got a good fucking city. Hey, Cleo, knock it off. Goddamn dog. My, I have a pit bull that's afraid of the wind. She's like the wind. What is that song about? She's like the wind. Is that about love lost? Do you know I was watching uh, one of these goddamn these channels that shows, um, you know, it's Memorial Day weekend, so they're giving all their talking heads the, the fucking weekend off, so they're just showing a bunch of rock concerts. And I saw the, uh, here's, here's my underrated, for underrated, overrated for the week, underrated, the Who live concert video at the Isle of Wight. Um, best Keith Moon footage you're ever going to fucking see. I've never been that into Keith Moon. I like, the, I love the Who. I love their recorded music, but I've never seen good footage. It's oh, He's always on TV, like, pretending to drum, you know? Or like Magic Bus or something like that. And he has a weird way of holding the sticks. So just because of that, there never seemed like there was a lot of power. And then there was that one where he blew his drum kit up and Pete Townsend hurt his ear. And I always fucked. That was something I always fucking hated. I hated how they destroyed their instruments. If I didn't fucking... I used to, you know, just watching, you know, watching Pete smashing a guitar. Whenever I watched it, I was like, dude, just give it to me. Give it to somebody in the crowd. Why would you do that? 
There's a bunch of wannabe rock stars in the crowd that would kill for that guitar. <laughs> Peter, you put that guitar down, young man. What's the matter? People teased you about your big fucking nose? You're a rock star now. Knock it off. Then they beat blows up that drum kit. It just it makes you sick. Makes you fucking sick. Me anyways. So anyway, so I never saw any good footage. Dude, that guy, I already knew he was a beast. That guy. That guy. Fucking without a doubt. Without a doubt, one of the most original drummers of all time. Dare I say the most original rock drummer ever. I love fucking John Bonham and and he laid down the blueprint. But when I hear Bonham play, I mean he granted he put it put he put it twenty years into the future. But still I kinda could see some sort of like I, I look at Keith Moon, I, I don't see any link to what the fuck he what did he watch? Tito Puente? It's like he he was like a percussionist. He should have been standing up with some timbales the way the guy was playing. It's just it's fucking mind blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. He's spinning the sticks, and he's doing this thing where he slams it on the snare, and it goes flying up in the air. I'm like, that's where Tommy Lee got that shit. So, that's my underrated for the week. Somebody actually has an overrated. Uh, Where the fuck is it here? Let me, let me, let me, overrated. The state of Florida's sports fans. Uh, Miami Heat bandwagoners, Florida Marlins. Uh, Orlando fans, Jacksonville Jags are rumored to be moving at the beginning of two years ago. Florida Panthers suck, etc., etc. Dude, that is the most lazy, overrated. You started off where you're actually making some points, and then you just threw out a bunch of topics. So you're just putting it on my shoulders. I got to bring it home. That's what you did. You just started a project like some broad, and then you're like, can you just, can you come in here, and, uh, honey? Can you come in here for a second? What? I thought you said you were cleaning the kitchen. Yeah, I know. I just need you. I wanted to do it behind the refrigerator. Can you just move it for a second? No, you fucking move it. See, this is what I'm talking about. Uh, that's what you just did to me in that overrated there. I got to go off on that. Let me tell you something. I hate to tell you this. Every sports franchise, everybody's bandwagon. All right? Go look at footage of when your team sucked. You know, you think I was watching the Bruins after fucking Ray Bork left and we sucked a big bag of dicks for like three years? To be honest with you, it had a lot to do with that clutch and grab fucking awful shit. Just a terrible period for hockey. You know? No wonder Tampa won a fucking goddamn... I mean, that, that's, that's why they had the strike. They were like, how fucking bad is our league that the Tampa Bay Lightning just won a Stanley Cup? Did you see that Stanley Cup parade? There was like eight people there. You know? They thought it was a fucking spit tune. Um, yeah, so I would say everybody. You know, that, that you, know, you got bandwagon fans. Yankee fans are bandwagon fans. If you watch highlights of them in the 80s or when Roger Maris... Broke Babe Ruth's fucking home run record. I mean, you could have fucking walked up to the gate and bought a stack of fucking 20 tickets all next to each other out in the goddamn outfield. You know? Fucking there was nobody at Bruins games, nobody at Celtic games when we sucked. Then we get the big three, and then all of a sudden everybody's there. Everybody's got bandwagon fans. Um, And I also think Jacksonville's moving out because it's Jacksonville. 
You know, what do they got? One radio station out there? No one gives a fuck about them. I don't know. I don't think the state of Florida has bad sports fans. They got fucking unbelievable college football. The Hurricanes, the uh, Seminoles. Who else they got? They got the Florida fucking Gators. Maybe if their fucking college sports weren't so great, they, they, they would actually show up to a program. I don't know. Other than in Tampa. Tampa just sucks, man. They got the Buccaneers. Right? Who've just sucked every year but one. Why am I still picking on them? They're in the rearview mirror. Congratulations. What a fucking playoff series that was. I'm just, by the way, I'm just breaking balls, by the way, for all you dumb cunts who actually take this seriously. Bill Burr hates Tampa. He doesn't like Vancouver. Um, No, my teams are playing, you guys, and uh, my team is not as good as your team. So what I do is I just trash your city. And if you're dumb enough to take the fucking bait, I get a nice debate going. Because if you want to argue facts... All you had to do as a Lightning fan is just say, well, we won it no for you, fucking dumb cunt, and then that would have been the end of it. But you were too stupid to do it. You sat there defending houseboats for some unknown reason. So anyways, the Stanley Cup Finals this year is the Boston Bruins versus the Vancouver Canucks, in case you haven't figured that out. And um, we haven't won it since 1972, and the Vancouver Canucks have never won it. So if you ever wanted to get into hockey, this would be the series to watch because the fans are going to be ridiculously excited. Because one group of fans have, just, have been waiting for 39 years, and the other group have been waiting their entire hockey lives. All right? So, predictions for the series. I'm doing exactly what I did the last time. I'm picking the other team, and maybe I'll jinx them. I think, once again, the other team has too much firepower. With Henrik Sendin and whatever his fucking brother's name is. Uh, Ryan Kessler. And then they got Luongo. Luongo, you can rattle, though. You know? Kessler's just a pretty boy now. You know, he took all his anger out of the game. To start the fucking playoff series versus the San Jose Sharks. Joe Thornton goes, you want to fight? And, he, and he, didn't, he didn't do anything. He just took the face off. Skated away with his shredded J. Crew body. You know, it's like, what are you doing, dude? You're playing hockey? You're trying to be an underwear model. I don't understand what you're doing, Ryan Kessler. All right? So, but he is an American. So, I do like that aspect of him. The Sendines are actually uh, direct descendants of um, Nazi SS soldiers. You know, not, not just some fucking regular guy who worked in a fucking warehouse and then he got put in a guard tower. Hey, I'm just doing my job. I'm, not, I'm talking about people who executed that horrific final solution all right so you know if you're rooting for the canucks out there people you you're you're saying thumbs up to the nazis i'm just i'm just putting that out there just blowing the lid off that one people no i think it's going to be a great fucking series um i got a feeling the bruins are going to win game one and just scare the shit out of that little mining town up there i really i really got a feeling i got a feeling char is going to score a goal you know, against all odds because he loves taking a fucking slapper when there's no one in front of the net from the fucking red line. And he loves to shoot right at their pancreas too. But I got a feeling it's going to fucking get in between his goddamn elbow and the side. And then Luongo's going to get rattled. He's going to get pulled in the second period. Lucic is going to have a goal. 
to shut up all you Boston cunts who are trashing him, you dumb fucks. Shut your faces. How many stars are we going to run out of town because they have a bad couple of weeks? I guarantee you at the end of the season, whatever the fuck his name is, is going to fucking George Animal Steel, our fucking coach for the Bruins. Claude Julian is going to fucking say uh, that Lucic is, is, has a lower body injury. That's what I'm guessing. All right? He's just not going to say it because there's piece of shits out there who would actually go after the injury. But I, I, that's, I don't know. I think we're going to win. We got to win the cup. Oh, would that be glorious? That would be enough to knock me right out of my sobriety. You know? I went to a fucking party yesterday, and I actually showed up with a rack of Blue Moon and handed it over, and I watched other people drink it. And I was just, I really questioned my citizenship at that point. Like, am I, am I still a citizen of this country that I just fucking did that? This is how bad I want to drink, people. Um, I actually got into a conversation about booze at this party, and somebody brought up Fredericksburg, Texas, which is an hour and a half outside of... Uh, Austin, Texas. Evidently, it's an all-German town. Speaking of Nazis. Okay, now I don't know if you guys realize this, but I'm actually mostly German. I've mentioned this before. That's why I have a jawline, and I don't have that 100% Irish potato face. Okay? I don't look like I, I fucking woke up face down in a plate of fucking mashed potatoes like a lot of my Irish brothers do. Okay? I don't look like that. I don't look <laughs> like, you know, I never knew my dad because he got so drunk and he fell face first into his shepherd's pie. And uh, is that actually English? I don't fucking know. Um, anyways, let's plow ahead here. So there's this town called Fredericksburg, which is actually my middle name, William Fredericksburg Burr. I don't know if you guys ever knew that. Um, and it's this all German town. And evidently, when you drive into town, there's like one one fucking street, Main Street, right? And this is where it was described to me at the party. You know, I barely was listening. I was just staring at the bubbles in the guy's beer. That's how bad I want to drink now. <laughs> um, and the first half of it is a bunch of antiques for the ladies. And the second half, though, is just a bunch of Oktoberfest-type bars. And uh, I was thinking, like, God damn it, I want to go to that town and drink out of one of those big things where you got to press it down with your thumb and have the little fucking crown open up. What, the beer stein? That's how bad I want to drink now, people. So I want to ask people, people, people of, of, of the podcasting world who are listening to this thing, um, what's, what's the deal with Fredericksburg, Texas? I want to know, is it worth the trip if I'm in Austin? What am I going to go down to the Atsy section again down there? I've done that a zillion times. I want to drive up to Fredericksburg, get absolutely shit-faced, and then drive home drunk back to Austin, get pulled over by some fucking goddamn cop on a horse. You understand what state you're in? This is Texas. Don't mess with Texas. Then I'll, I, I know how to sweet-talk my way out of that, right? I just unbutton a couple of buttons from my button-down. <laughs> Show off a little bit of red chest there, and I just start complimenting his his sidearm. Is that a six-shooter? You know what it is? It is six-shooter. I could put this on eBay 
and get over a hundred grand for it. But I got it from my daddy, who got it from his daddy's daddy, and his daddy's daddy, he got it from him. And I just drive away. Um, did I mention we have a donation button on the mmpodcast.com? Did I mention that? I always forget to mention that. So just donate whatever the fuck you can donate. And uh, I swear to God, if you guys donate this week, I will I will donate $5 towards the United Nations Fund for Curing the, the Common Cold. Do you know the common cold doesn't kill over 7 million people every year? Do you realize that? But it makes over 4 billion people unbelievably uncomfortable. And in some extreme cases, even in the month of May. So please, give a dollar, give seven, do whatever you want to fucking do. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be on the uh, on uh, NHL Live today. NHL Live at uh, 2.10 p.m. Pacific time. They're going to be calling me on my cell phone. And they're going to be, hey, dude, what do you think about the playoffs? You know, and I'll be, I'll tell you about the Bruins. I got to be thinking. Um, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Um, all right. Last week, I told you that st- I read that story about that, that fucking douche who uh, brought in the ringer, wasn't playing this guy's kid. And then when he complained, the parent complained, you know, they kept the kid on the bench. And then the next year, uh, his kid's on another team, and then he's playing against this douche coach, and at the end of the game, his kid didn't shake his hand, and this fucking fag went to the goddamn league and now is saying that this kid has to shake hands. So the dad's like, what do I do? What do I do? So I was trying to think of a cunty way for this kid, something he could do to this guy. So this is a solution someone came up with. Said, tell that kid to shake that coach's hand for an awkwardly long time. I actually really like this idea. Holding on when the coach tries to pull his hand away and the whole time smiling. Maybe throw a wink in there too. You know, a passive-aggressive fuck you. Love the podcast, Bill. I think that's great. I would actually clasp it with both hands like you just signed some sort of monumental peace treaty. Like, do you, you know what would be great? Have, have, his, have the, your, his dad come down. Do you remember when when uh, Jimmy Carter got um, was it Amor Sadat and that Begin guy to shake hands, uh, sign a peace treaty between Egypt and Israel or something like that, and they both shook hands, and then Jimmy Carter made it like a a handshake sandwich with using his hands as the bunt, standing basically perpendicular to them. So I think that that's what should happen. I think he should shake the guy's hand, clasp it with both hands. And then you hire a Jimmy Carter lookalike to fucking sit there and you just smile. And you don't let go until that guy finally pulls his hands free. And you never stop smiling and you never stop looking in the guy's eye. How's that? I like that. You guys like that solution? I do. Um, does anybody else have any more stories about that? That seems to be an overwhelming. Not overwhelming. That's the wrong word. Jesus, Bill. Jesus Christ, the whole podcast was going great, and then what'd you do? You picked the wrong fucking word. The fuck is wrong with you? Read the goddamn copy. Did I ever tell you guys? You guys always think that this this show is imp- improvised. It isn't. I actually write it out, and I, I spent $15,000 on my own uh, professional-grade camera and teleprompter. Right now, I'm reading all of this, including this right now. It's just scrolling right now. You know, that whole I'm bad at reading out loud is it's all just an act. 
Um, anyways, does anybody else have any stories about that, uh, that type of behavior? Rather than overwhelming, I know it's a reoccurring theme. That's what I was trying to say. You know, where somebody becomes a coach and, uh, you know, they're getting to live out this Vince Lombardi fantasy. And then they start thinking, well, I sucked as an athlete or I wasn't good enough to make it to the pros. So then when they start coaching, just immediately that competitive thing kicks in again and they forget that they're coaching a bunch of fucking eight-year-olds and they start walking around like fucking Mike Ditka, you know, chewing gum like they just got done finishing a fucking eight ball of Coke. In case you thought I was talking about pool, I had to say of Coke. All right, I'm sorry, people, I'm a little congested. Does anybody else have any stories of that? I actually, uh, I had good coaches when I was growing up, except for my football coach. I remember he used to kick me in my fucking legs. <laughs> I only played one year of football. My parents didn't like it because I came home with all these bruises, and they showed up at practice, and they saw the coach kicking me in my legs. Uh, I remember I used to move my, when we were doing leg lifts because that's what you want third graders to do, leg lifts, to make sure they get that 12-pack. So we're doing these leg lifts. And, uh, you know, whenever your legs would come down, he'd come over and he'd kick you in the, in the side and give you like a charley horse. So I used to move my thigh pads over to, the, <laughs> over to the side. This was the 70s, people, when you could kick kids. Not only could you kick them, you could kick them in front of their parents. It was fucking great. Um, does anybody have any stories of just some, some uh, coaches just going totally over the top? Um, here's a new sound for you guys. See if you guys can guess what this sound is. All right. And it's not me blowing my nose on the mic. What was that? What was that noise? You hear that? That might sound like me wiping up my mustache. Yeah, fucking disgusting. I'm playing hockey tomorrow, and I I wear a full fucking shield, and I have a runny nose. Do you understand what I'm going to look like? I'm going to be looking like I'm fucking almost at the summit of Mount Everest by the, by my second shift. <laughs> Is that icicles in your mustache? What is going on? No, it's just not. All right. Now that I got rid of the ladies on the podcast. Um, speaking of ladies, um, there's there's a little downtime between the Eastern and Western Conference finals and the finals in uh, the Stanley Cup. So I had four fucking days of, oh, my God, how am I going to fill up the time? And I don't know what happened. I put on ESPN, and I've somehow got into the ladies' softball fucking World Series. I love it. I absolutely love it. I want to face one of those fucking pitchers. You got, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys out there, they laugh at that shit. Going, Dude, I'd fucking, I'd fucking put it in the cheap sheets if I ever fucking the dead giant goddamn ball. First of all, they pitch the ball from like four feet away. And it comes underhand. You know, they and they do it so fast, it looks like it's coming right out of their baby maker. You know, like some sort of fucking uh, Nolan Ryan meets some hoary stripper. You know, and you know the ones that shoot the ping pongs out of their twats. This is, looks like the softball. It's just coming at this weird fucking angle. I would love to do it because their ballparks are really small. So, you, so if you actually made contact, they pitch it so fast, it's going over the goddamn wall. And then you get to run around. You get to run around the bases, but you don't get it. You're not going to get winded because I think it's like 45 feet to each base. It's ridiculous. 
Basically, if you, there's no leading, I think, in women's softball because once you take a lead, you're basically at second base. Or all you have to do is just, you know, fall down <laughs> and you're, you're safe at second. Actually, there is leading, all right, before some fucking bulldog of a woman fucking starts giving me shit about it. I understand. And, uh, dude, speaking of roids, okay, if you're going to tell me those women in ladies softball, like there's a, just a, a – there's enough women built like that to fill up fucking like nine different teams. Uh, I'm not buying it. Okay? Those girls, I'm telling you right now, would run me the fuck over. Ah, the damn batteries ran out again and the memory was full. I don't know what the fuck happened. Son of a bitch. All right, what the fuck was that? I was talking about those goddamn softball ladies. I'm telling you, man, those girls, if they did the old Packers sweep... Pitched it out to any one of them, but they fuck. They could run over Ray Lewis. But I'm telling you, it's a great goddamn sport. And uh, you know what? It only took a couple of seconds for you to listen to me. You know, go from what I was just talking about to what I'm talking about right now. But in my world, it was like five minutes, and I can't remember what the fuck I was talking about. So that's going away. Oh, that's so frustrating. I was really enjoying what he was saying about those fucking goddamn bulldogs who play fucking softball. They're actually not bulldogs. There's some of them were a couple. They're kind of cute. You know, I like some fucking thick thighs. I'll take you down. You know, even with that grease under your eyes. Um, <laughs> ah, Jesus. All right. Um, by the way, we have a new video, everybody. We have new video up on the mmpodcast.com. Remember, uh, not last week, but the week before, I was hyping the Cage versus Cons MMA event where they have cops fighting ex-cons, MMA style, in the octagon at the L.A. Sports Arena. Well, the Monday morning podcast, brand new man in the street, Jason Lawhead. Jason Lawhead, who has his own sports podcast with uh, Joe Bartnick and uh, John Campanera. Campanera is, uh, and the name of the podcast is called Men Are Talking. <laughs> so anyways, he was out there. Uh, he covered the event for us with uh, Sam Tripoli, another hilarious comedian, and uh, they made a really great video. If you want to see what it was like, it was, looked like it was a fucking great time. Um, definitely the crowd was way more for the cons than uh, was for the cops, and uh, a lot of tattoos were gotten, a lot of weed was smoked. And I think you guys ought to check it out. It's a great video. It's on the mmpodcast.com. So after you're done hitting the donation button right on the right-hand side, right underneath the Facebook fucking icons, check out that video. Also, I did a, I got another video that's going to be up later on this week. I did another one of my famous internet tours of a city. I did a tour of New, uh, New York City. That's going to be up. And uh, I actually ran into somebody. Not to get all Hollywood on you. I'm not going to name a name, but I was out at an Italian restaurant. And as I was walking out, there was somebody uh, famous sitting there who hosts a talk show. And I, I, uh, and it wasn't Conan. And uh, it wasn't that guy from Scotland. Um, and I said, hey, what's up to him? And he mentioned that he saw my he fucking watched the one that I did, uh, the tour of L.A. And I got a big kick out of that. Going, oh, look at the goddamn Internet. Famous people are on the internet too. I didn't realize that. I always thought like famous people they're on TV, so they they don't they don't watch it. They like read books, or uh, you know, go out and go buy like a fucking 
Ferrari or something. It's always just blowing my mind. But whatever, we got we got this great video up there, the Cage versus Cons, and I'm going to have one uh, tour of New York City, my tour of New York City, which I did when I was just starting to catch this cold. I was in a miserable fucking mood, uh, so I might come off a little more angrier than usual, but it seems like a lot of you guys enjoy that shit. So definitely check that out on ammpodcast.com, the official podcast page of the Monday Morning Podcast. All right, we have 45 minutes in, people. You know what that means. That means I got 15 minutes to go. So, it's got to be time for the advice section. And if I was actually, if I had some sort of uh, production quality on this, we would have gone into some music right there. It's time for advice with your host, Billy Burr. And I'm ripping off this melody from somebody else. All right. uh, Dear Bill, I am 34 years old and have been married to Linda. Ah, jeez, he names a name right out of the gate. Oh, the lovely Nia comes walking in right as I'm about ready to do advice. Uh, What are the odds of that? Why don't you go grab yourself a microphone? It's in the closet. My closet. All right. And don't go snooping around in there. I got some fucking incriminating evidence in there. Goddamn fucking broads can't ever keep their faces out of your shit. Let me see if I can put this in here. Here we go. We're going to get this going right here anyways. Well, I'm reading the first one without you. Um, I'm 34, year, 34 years old and been married to Linda, my wife, for about five years. We met on an online dating website. Isn't that amazing? They met online and they've already been married for five years. How long has the internet been around? Isn't that fan? That's, that's really phenomenal. I'm starting to feel old. Um, um, Ah, Jesus Christ. Can you tell I hit pause again, people? Fucking cunt. What am I doing here? All right, here we go. Uh, Dear Bill, I'm 34 years old. I already said that shit. He's been online for fucking five goddamn years. Um, We met on an online dating website. Immediately felt a special bond. We dated for three years, but I knew she was the one. Wait a minute. Did I read this last week? Oh, yeah, I read this one last week. I'm on the wrong fucking page. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Hang on a second. All right. Where the fuck are we? All right. Advice. Dear Bill, I've got a few shitty things going on in my life right now that I need to vent about. Also, I would like to hear your advice. Okay. You guys don't need to have fucking intros like that. Just ask me the advice because then I'll read them and sound like a shithead. First things first. I live in South Carolina, and I think you can guess that that pretty much blows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 22 years old, and I just graduated from college with a degree in psychology. My job outlook is pretty bleak right now, and I just got laid off from my shitty delivery job. Jesus Christ, what the fuck is going on in this country? This dude has a degree in psychology, and he's delivering fucking Entenmann's cakes to supermarkets. And he gets laid off. Um, He goes, I must have applied for at least 30 jobs at this point, and I've stopped applying for the ones that I'm underqualified for. Uh, And I've started, sorry. And I'm still unemployed. I don't understand why the access of entry into the restaurant in- industry is so fucking high. I can't even get a job serving because they keep telling me we only hire people with two years of experience. Yeah. Well, it's the law. It's the laws of supply and demand. Uh, you know, if the, if the, we weren't in the middle of a recession, you could walk in there with the coming out of prison, and they'd let you work the goddamn mesquite grill. Um. Yeah, I worked in a restaurant. There's a bunch of fucking drug guys. We, it was such a good economy. It was like 1987. 
Wait a second. That was right after Black Monday. I don't know. Maybe it was the South. I have no idea. I worked at this place called the Sable Cafe in Cary, North Carolina, way back in the day. And uh, we used to have this douche who used to he came in. He was on work release. He was in prison, and they would let him out so he could wash dishes and work his way back. Not wash dishes. He actually worked the fucking cooking line. He was right. above me. Right. I was a busboy slash grill chef slash dishwasher because the restaurant was slowly going out of business. And as, slash hottie. As, uh, oh, <laughs> as, as people, as people gradu- gradually quit, they would fucking uh, – they would just give me their jobs and yeah. an extra 50 cents an hour. And I was like, whoa, I'm raking in the dough. Because I sucked at math, I didn't realize that they were paying me three fifty an hour and a grill guy five dollars an hour. So they went from paying eight fifty an hour for two guys to paying me four dollars an hour for fuck. I'm a dumb, fucking moron. So, anyways, and then this douche used to come in, and I remember one time I came walking in the back and I'm doing three fucking jobs. We were slammed, and I said, "Oh my god!" I go, "We're out of glasses." What the fuck? We're out of glasses. And then this guy in work release goes, "Well, why don't you wash some?" Ah. A novel idea. That's what he said. Like he was this fucking renaissance man. Really? Really there, Shawshank? The fuck are you doing after work? Huh? Fucking carving a goddamn... Hey, watch all the steak knives. Make sure Cunty over here doesn't take them back with your felon beard. <laughs> you this stupid fucking Almond Brothers facial hair. I fucking cunt. And it still bugs me because I didn't say anything to him. Because I got intimidated even though I thought I could take the guy. But I was like, this guy's been in prison. You know, he's going to beat me up and then rape me. Fuck it. I think I'll wash some glasses. <laughs> so anyways, um, he goes, if I can struggle through four years of school, then I think I can get the hang of slinging tater skins and onion rings in a few weeks. What is what is there to learn? Uh, oh, this guy's trying to get a cooking job. Well, a dude, cooking what, job or a serving job? Well, I thought he meant like being a waiter, but now it sounds like he's yeah. talking about actually cooking. Yeah, dude, you can't learn on the job at a restaurant. No, you Oh, was, was that underdone? I'm sorry. They're not coming. Really? Oh, he's, oh, no, but he's talking about cooking. He's not Because I thought he said he was having a hard time getting a job as a server. Because that you can learn in like two seconds. No, that's what, that's what he said. But now all of a sudden he's talking about slinging tater skins and onion rings. I think he just means serving it. Slinging? Doesn't slinging mean... Uh, yeah, but wasn't didn't he say earlier that oh, he was geez, trying to get a job as a... I've been on the podcast for three a, minutes. You're already disagreeing with me. So thought, didn't it say earlier that he was trying to get a job Shh. serving? What is there to learning... Let me get back to this. What is there to learn in the second year of restaurant experience that you can't get in the first year or even the first six months? This I agree with. How in the hell am I supposed to get a job? I'm also being cut out from financial support of my family who helped put me through school. If I can't start paying bills, then I'm going to have to move back in with my parents in a shitty small town that is about an hour away from the city I live in. Job outlook there is even worse, and I would hate to move away from my friends and girlfriend. Me and my girl don't live together, but she's offered a lot of needed support, and most importantly, she supports me pursuing comedy. It's my dream to become a comedian and I can only go so far while I live in South Carolina. That's um, true. No, it isn't. That he can only go so far living in South Carolina as yeah, a comedian? Yeah, the fuck? Oh, you become the next goddamn cable guy. Dude, there's people This I guarantee you in South Carolina, there's a guy there who's the king of South Carolina. And we've never heard of him. Every state but I've been to. But he's huge there? Yeah. Right. And they fucking make six figures a year. I'm not, I understand what he's saying. Obviously, he doesn't want to be the king of South Carolina. He wants to get into movies and TVs. Become a nationally headlining act. I understand what you're saying, but I'm just saying you can make fucking money there. There is money to be made. 
with those drug uh, fucking idiots there. All you got to do, just do a Ric Flair impression. That'll be your closing bit. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, I would. Uh, he lives out there. I would like to move to New York City, but won't be able to do that if I'm not able to save up money. And I definitely won't be able to do that anytime soon because I am awaiting a trial for a DUI I got back in January. This story just keeps getting like unraveled yeah. more and more. Every sentence becomes something else. That's why country songs are so sad. These people live it. Living in South Carolina. I love my girl's vagina, and I can't get a job washing dishes. Did you just rhyme Carolina I got a with DUI, vagina? And I don't know why, because the cop was even drunker than me. <laughs> and the song should be called, I Know I'm Not Ric Flair. Because I know I ain't Ric Flair. And I know I don't bleach my hair. But I got a dream, and would you help me? Get your hand off your gun. I'm starting to get scared. That ran with hair? All right, go fuck yourselves. Um, anyways, the trial is this September. <laughs> oh my God. And if I lose my license, I will only be set further back from my goals. Yeah, you think? I am trying to. <laughs> Not to mention, I'm growing weed in my apartment. It's a one bedroom with bay windows, and I think my neighbors are starting to catch on. Uh, I am trying to hone my skills Did he here. Did say that? No. Oh. Jesus. Somebody went out late last night. I'm trying I to hone tired. my skills here, but I can't afford uh, to keep driving to open mics that are at, at least an hour away across the state in North Carolina. By the way, I've stopped drinking irresponsibly, and I'm sorry that this email ran a little long. Respectfully, so-and-so. Got to love how the politeness of the I know. South. At least he's a respectful. Yeah. Probably has one of those plantation Kentucky Fried Chicken ties on. Holding on to his lapels. That's a uh, four score and seven years old. Yeah, that's how they. Uh, that's how they get you with the politeness. Down they get there. you with the politeness, and then they, they do. S- that's the. Uh, that's the. You know, as someone who grew up in the South, I know. Yeah, that's you they know what that's that called. That's Southern called Southern hospitality, yeah. but it's masking so so much. Yeah, so you know much. what that is. That's called the old. Uh, that's called the old Stonewall Jackson. The old what? The old Stonewall Jackson. You come in. Hey, I surely would like to help you. Don't you look pretty today? Hey, I ain't trying to be disrespectful. Right? And then you fucking turn the corner. Let me tell you something about that boy. That boy would fuck mud if he thought a rock was under it. Um, fuck a snake. Whoa, what's going on with the thing here? That boy would fuck a rock if he thought a snake was under it. <laughs> So what is what is he asking advice He's about? He's asking me how the fuck he gets out of uh, all this bad shit. All right, you live in South Carolina. Let, let's let's recap, shall we? Yeah, lives in South <laughs> just, Carolina. Lives in South Carolina. Can't get a job slinging fucking tater tots to fucking fatties who are wearing overalls, and somehow the crack of their ass is still hanging out of it. <laughs> <laughs> he got a DUI. He's yeah. gonna have to move back home with his parents an hour away, where the job shit is even worse. Than it is where he is right now, and he got he, oh, Jesus Christ, and he wants to live his dream. I mean, I, I only see one solution here, other than hitting the lottery. You got to start dealing weed. I mean, yeah, right. He's in South Carolina. Can he grow some tobacco? Yeah, just start <laughs> just start selling <laughs> wacky tobacco. Yeah, he wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. There's something going on with this fucking the sound here. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. See, people, this is why I need you to hit the donation button. We here at Bill Burr PBS here. I, I think I need a new mixer or some new wires. Didn't he say something about being a psychology major or something? Aren't you supposed to do some sort of internship 
at a, a place no, after you do he, school and he doesn't that's have how time you for that. get he, entry into a job. He doesn't want to do that. This guy wants to be a comedian. So what he, he wants needs, to be a star. Yeah. So <laughs> so what he needs he needs some sort of hustle to get him out of this shit. All right, dude. This this will make you feel better. Guess what happened to me right before I became a stand up comedian? I lost my license for drinking and driving. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't get I didn't get started. Are the batteries going low in this thing? Hello. Hello. There we go. Oh, the thing got unplugged. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded badass when it starts to come out. This is like Hello, take me to... Sorry. <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm back. What did I do? I just hit a fucking button here. Now this other thing's lit up, which was never lit up before. Oh, you fucking whore. All right, let's let's wrap this thing up. This is what you got to do, dude. You got to... Uh, you got to get through your DUI. Um, and I don't know what to tell you, man. You got to somehow try and find a fucking job. Ah, fuck. I lived at home with my parents. I had a day job and then I, and I did comedy at night and I saved every fucking dime. Mm-hmm. I drove a piece of shit car and when it died, rather than get a new one, I, I just had him throw a new engine in my old one. So I only went like 1500 in debt rather than 15 grand. That's what I did. So listen. If you want to be a fucking comedian, you want it bad enough, you're going to figure out how to do it. You're in a hell of a situation there. You got to get a fucking job. Dude, I would open... I Take any fucking job you can take. Landscaping, anything you can do. Um, get through this fucking DUI horseshit. And uh, despite the fact that you work all day, you still got to go out and you still have to uh, do those open mics. You got to do it. And... Uh, as hard as it's going to be, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you tough. And that's what you got to be to make it in the world. You got to be tough. You got to get up. You know what? You've been knocked on your ass. You're flat on the back, flat on your back, and you got to get up. All right? The ref's over you right now. Six, seven. Most people just lay there. Ah, I'm going to go fucking lay between my mom's titties and just say I quit in life. You're not going to do that, are you? You're going to pick yourself up. <laughs> You should have seen the look she just gave me. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to inspire him. This kid is in a fucking hole. Yeah, but he can get out of it. How yeah, would, he's got to suck it up. How would you get like out you of said. it? Like you said. How would you get out of it? I would do like you said. I'd have to take any job that I could get. But I'm a Sub-text. female, so maybe I could get... No! I was thinking babysitting, you pervert. You'd whore yourself out. No, I wouldn't. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> My name is Nia, boo, 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 boo. And I got some high heels. Do, 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 do. Who wants to no. fucking hit this? I wanna be a comedian. You wouldn't sell Not your that ass far. if no. you if you had to sell your ass. Can you stop saying sell your ass? If you had to do it. <laughs> Thank you. If you had Nini to become a lady of the evening, a lady <laughs> of the evening. If I had to do it, I wouldn't go out on the street. That's for sure. How would you do it? I would set up a, like a website or something. I'd be one of those high class broads. <laughs> Oh, yeah? I'd meet you in, like, the lobby of a hotel. I'd be make it classy. You know make what I mean? Make it classy. Well, yeah. what, what would be the theme song on your website? Whatever Lola wants, <laughs> Lola gets a little man. Okay. Yeah, I don't even that. know that song, but I, I, would, I would be interested in that. Unless, if well, you had, but if you had that song and you were wearing a veil, that would freak me out. Why would I wear a veil? 
Just that's what that song just made me think of. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets. And then you just have this veil, and you're doing this really bad dance, and it just cancels out your hotness. Um, you ever, okay. had, you ever had the guys? You ever had that? You ever have a girl just do something so weird? It cancels out like how good looking she is. Maybe a laugh. Like puke because she's so drunk. I was thinking more like hammer toes coming out of some fucking you know pair of sexy shoes. When are you going to get the shoes with the red sole on it so you can make all those other whores jealous? When you buy me a pair, bitch. <laughs> Your birthday is coming up. Yes, it is. And I can tell you right now. What? I don't know what you're getting, but I can tell you what you're not getting. What do you mean? It's you don't know what o- I'm getting. Overpriced horseshoes. Yeah, you know I do it last second. You've seen the birthday cards I give you. Uh, you remember the one I gave you last year that had to do it had to do with golf, and I just sort of scribbled it out. <laughs> <laughs> they were out of birthday cards. <laughs> <laughs> no, I told you the shoes that I wanted to get and the purse. So you had all that information. Oh, that's gay. And plenty of they time. They didn't have the purse. I went to the place they didn't have you the purse. You probably didn't ask for it, right? What do you mean I asked for it right? Purse can I have? Are you lying? Am I lying about what? Did you actually get it and you're going to surprise me? No, you know what the reality is? is oh, no. I never went there. <gasps> what? I didn't go. I was, you're such an asshole. I was sick. What is wrong with you? No, you weren't. <laughs> yes, I was. I'm still sick. I've been coughing and blowing you're my nose. You're sick in the head. That's Well, you know what? I can tell you where to go in L.A. to get it. We're getting we're getting no, off topic here. No, yeah, you know why? Because you're exposing the spoiled little brat that you are. This Whose is all, fault this is, is that? Mine. Because <laughs> I went out and I, I would buy you stuff that you wanted, thinking that that would shut you up. And it doesn't. <laughs> That's not why it you doesn't. got it for yeah, me. Yeah, did. Why? You got it because you love me. Yeah, and what you know what I love most about you is you <laughs> shut your trap. <laughs> That's what I like best about you when you're not running your yap. <laughs> And you're just fucking rubbing my head as I watch sports. That's what I like. That's all I need out of you, Nini. All those stupid shows where they go, oh, the fucking way to a man's heart is through his stomach. No, it isn't. Shut your trap. Rub my head as I'm watching the game and order a pizza right then. And then no, at the end of the you night. you like when I cook for you. The end of the night, a no. little sexual favor. <laughs> Cooking for you, you love that. Yeah, I do love that. Didn't you tell me when I wasn't here for a couple days, you felt like at a loss because you're so dependent on me yeah, cooking? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And I for used, you, and you I, were walking around the apartment like, oh, yeah. what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It was pathetic. You know, you know, I felt like the male Stepford wife. <laughs> I was just like, how you did I? You didn't know how to pay bills. You didn't know how to do anything. No, I know how own. to pay bills. You take that back, lady. I take it back. I'm just fucking with you. No, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to. I, I used to know how to cook. I used to cook shit. Uh, there was there was food, and I would cook it, and I would make it, and it taste delicious. Remember back in the day, I made lasagna. It was great. Yeah, it's fucking. Delicious. You used to make the salmon too, and that. Uh... I used to make that. I had I had the beef stew. Right, yep. with a big piece of bay leaf. Use this, the, the set it and forget it to make a rotisserie style chicken. Set it and forget it. Yeah. Underrated. <laughs> Underrated. That thing. I don't know. I think I threw that thing out. That Why? Because with those big weird rubber gloves to <laughs> handle the chicken. Those things were gross. <laughs> those things were like the fucking sex offender. They were. They were so fucking creepy. They were so nasty. They came with these <laughs> these big rubber gloves that they didn't move. That was the thing. They were like they were like formed to some murderer's hands, <laughs> and you just had to slip your hands into them because they were so worried about getting you getting burned. They didn't want to get sued. They yeah. went all the way up to your elbows like Jackie Kennedy. 
<laughs> but they were these big fucking Herman Munster gloves. Oh, and they oh, were they were this off white. Yeah, they look <laughs> worse color. They look filthy before we even got them. But getting back to the Senate and forget it. That's right, studio audience. Yell that thing was the shit. That thing. I made a pretty good chicken. Made a great chicken. Yeah. They had it down, and it came mm-hmm. out. It was golden brown, and you had fucking lunch meat for the fucking week, right? The only thing that sucked was on top of the way they claimed the heat would somehow steam the vegetables. That shit didn't work. No, no, no. So I took out my wok, and that was it. Hey, by the way, uh, how sweet is that guitar I bought? It's beautiful. I it bought, really is. I bought the best goddamn guitar. Uh, I, abs- I And that's all I've been doing for life. You know, I had, I had that brutal couple weeks right there. Yeah, I was on fucking six flights in 15 days. Mm-hmm. I caught a code. Yeah. I caught a code. I did those two <laughs> episodes of Glee. Yep. Right? And uh, the one episode, sorry, shot on two days. And then uh, and I was, did DC and I did New York in the middle of that. So every once in a while, I will actually go out and I'll spend a little money on myself. And uh, I bought a Gibson SG that is white, mm-hmm. left-handed, white with the black pickup. Uh, not black pickup, the black pick guard. And uh, this thing sounds so fucking good. Even uh, even I sound good on it. I was playing that Aerosmith this week, huh? Seasons of Wither. Huh? Remember you came in and all of a sudden, you know, you were hypnotized by it? You don't remember that woman? Uh, yeah. No? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> been having a good time. I've been having a good time with it. So uh, anyways, that is it. That's the podcast for this week. I got to um, – I want to thank Jason Lawhead and Sam Tripoli. Nia, you got to see that video. You guys, uh, Lawhead? Oh, my God. It's hilarious. They Jason do. Lawhead is an incredible person. Yeah. And, he's we has love a, Jason and he has Lawhead. an incredible podcast with Joe Bartnick called uh, Men Are Talking. They, the two of them have a podcast? Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. I have to hear yeah. this. These are the I two guys that if, you know, if you want, if you're going to go out drinking or if yeah. you just want to fucking hang out with these guys, they, they, they are throwbacks, old school guy Guys, guys, these are the guys when I go to the Rose Bowl every year. Mm-hmm. These are the guys. Your partners in crime. Our partners in crime. These are the guys I stumble into the Rose Bowl <laughs> with with Cuban cigars, and then people scream at us, and we have a great fucking time. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that, that's up on the mmpodcast.com. If you want to donate, we really appreciate it. And uh, we're going to be doing some more video, definitely, um, and starting to add those. You can only see that exclusively on the mmpodcast.com. Um, I think I've said that enough. Uh, okay, so upcoming dates. Upcoming dates for Mr. Burr. Where the fuck? Official website. Okay, BillBurr.com. I'm going to be at the Chicago Theater um, on June 15th doing one of those anti-social network tours with the wonderful Jim Nor- Norton, the fabulous Jim Brewer, and the always adorable David Tell. <laughs> adorable, adorable David Tell. <laughs> yes. These guys are all the kind. Yeah. Uh, David Tell is a sweetheart of a guy. I realized it. We went when we went and we visited those troops mm-hmm. at the uh, the Pentagon, the wounded warriors. We visited these soldiers. You know, we didn't know what to say or whatever. Dude, Dave was in his fucking element. He, really, he, he fucking lit up and was going to. I just followed his lead, and it yeah. was awesome, man. Like he, yeah, that's so good. You guys did that. Oh, and it's Memorial Day too. And it's Memorial Day. Yeah. yeah. And where? What are we doing? Sitting here, in sweatpants in, the, in our bed. <laughs> you know, should we go into a parade or something? <laughs> um, all right. And on June 29th, I'm doing the uh, – this is a very special one here. This is the Greg Giraldo Benefit at the Wiltern Theater. Yeah. Uh, all proceeds go to his wife and kids and, uh, you know. Definitely people come out to that one. Yeah, that's that's a huge one. Um, 
Definitely. If you're gonna if you're gonna do anything, even if you're in Chicago, drive out to fucking LA for that one. That's right. And uh, what else? Real quick, I have the these are more anti-social network uh, dates on. July 1st, I'm at the Paramount Theater in Seattle, Washington, just south of that adorable mining town, Vancouver. Um, <laughs> and then on the 3rd, I'm going to be in Vegas. Oh, At snap. the Pearl Theater, Palms Resort Casino. Uh-oh. And guess who's not going? No, I'm coming. No, you're not. Fourth of July is the next you day. Know what? Fuck you. I'm coming out. I want the world to know. You go fuck yourself. <laughs> You're staying home. <laughs> you only support me, he. When I go to good cities, why don't you? What, what, when I need you, when I go to Tampa, how come you don't come out for that one? I came out to Florida with you one time. Miami, yeah, bitch. <laughs> I'm in Miami, bitch. You only go out to the shot, fun one. Shot, 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 shot. Yes. Um, all right. We're, we, you know what? We're becoming like Donnie and Marie right now. And I'm I really know. fucking getting douche I chills. I got to okay. get off this. All right. That's the podcast for this week. Uh, that's it. Go fuck yourselves. I'll talk to you next week. And uh, I don't know. Grab your ladies' titties for me. All right? That's it. That's it. I'll see you next week. <laughs>